Hello everyone and welcome back. How do you do? It's good to see you. I'm seeing Gwen Dog and Dahlia and Rollit and Luis Jade Dragon. Hello, Sander and myself. Battlefront, hello. Hey gang, how y'all doing? Dahlia says it's good to be back and Dahlia, it is indeed. It's good to see y'all. Muffin Man, Missy, hi. Tanisha, Missy. I already said Missy. Um, hey, gang, how y'all doing? Uh, Louis says, just finished digging out our drive from four inches of snow. Okay, four inches, that's hefty. That's hefty. That's not a little snow. Especially, it depends on where the snow is at in its process. Because uh, four inches of, like, pretty fresh snow, especially if it has stayed super cold, that can be okay. That's that's okay. I mean, four it's not nothing. Four inches is, is something. But... Then you get that four inches of snow that's had a chance to kind of melt down and become a real pudding out there. Um, or something that has heated up. Um, and then, you know, like, even even worse, heated up and then gotten, then sort of frozen up again. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great, folks. <laughs> It is not ideal, um, but uh, certainly, like, <laughs> something to deal with. A uh, little tractor, it was enough. Okay, good to have a little tractor, because I've done four inches of snow uh, with a little, like, a little tractor, you know, little John Deere riding mower slash thing, and I've also done it by hand. I would definitely prefer to do it with the beast. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see. Louis says... Uh, running out of places to move it. I don't wait for it to settle. Uh, I get it moved quick after it snows. That's smart, but then, yeah, you do get the big old, like, you, you feel like you're running around in World War II trenches. I guess trenches were more of a World War One thing, but, yeah, you know. You know. After that, they just moved on to foxholes. I'm not gonna, not gonna dig a whole thing. Drive's about a half mile long. Oh! Yeah, so you definitely don't want to be doing that with, uh, by hand. It's a good thing you got that little tractor. Um, okay, well, that's a project, um, and yeah, Rollit is wondering about Dahlia's project. Let me read what Dahlia sent in, just so you've got a good idea, because I know some folks, like, when you're catching up, you can't quite, you can't see some of the stuff earlier in the chat. So, Dahlia is working on getting an oil change, grabbing more wire, terminal connectors, replacement vice grip, two more watercraft deep, cy deep cycle batteries, because Dahlia is currently, uh, working on, uh, expanding out the, um... Uh, the electrical system on the old van. Uh, it sounds like the the sort of like uh, expanding my solar system battery bank. So it sounds like the priority is like more batteries to keep charged. It's I, I, I'm assuming then that you're you're sort of like fairly pleased with the input you get from your your solar panels. You just need them to be able to store a little bit more power. Interesting project. Be safe. I'll probably ask for some like. <laughs> I'll probably check in with you and ask for some some updates, not on like where you're at in the pro process, just to make sure we don't need to call somebody for you. Um, what? What, <laughs> Sandra? What are you talking about, bud? I'm 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 missing whatever's going on in the world of Sandra right now. Um, uh, Missy says, what chapters are we reading tonight? Good question. Chapters 16, 17, and 18. Uh, and this is going to be the penultimate episode of this book. We've got this one and then one more. 
This is uh, this is 16, 17, 18, um, about 10,000 words. And the next week, we're going to do 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. Uh, we're doing a five-chapter evening uh, because, of course, um, that's about 14,000 words, but it also didn't make sense to break it up into, like, 7,000 words. Um, there's just no good way to, like, split it up there. I guess maybe there would be, but I don't really want to. Yeah, I could I could break it up into 5,500 words and then 8,500 words, but that last stream would be so short. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do... We're going to hit that... Uh, yeah, we're going to hit that... We're going to hit that 14,000 words, just about. That's going to be fun. We're going to do it, though. Um, hey, gang, I love you. I hope you're doing well. Um, this is going to be, you know, not our not our longest stream. We've had uh, we've had some longer ones. We certainly had a, a super long. Remember that week that where we tried to do like, I think we succeeded, but we tried to do about twenty four thousand words instead of the tip twenty four twenty five um, instead of um, our typical like I try to keep it around twelve thousand words. Um, uh, yes, indeed, I have seen the sound bites. Um, I don't believe I'm set up for any today. Uh, but yes, I've seen them, and uh, we're going to be working on those starting next week. Um, uh, and uh, oh, by the way, Cass gets back tomorrow. Uh, Mama Cass is finally going to be back in town. She uh, she was going to be back in town. Um, let's see, yesterday I was going to pick her up last night, but she uh, had a a rapid test positive for COVID, and so she had to um, quarantine for a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. Yep, Mama Cass is coming home. Uh, so tomorrow night, late, uh, I'm going to be going to pick her up. So that is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Tanisha, no, we're not doing all of them today. We're just doing 16, 17, and 18 today. And then next week uh, is going to be 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. So um, Cass, I mean, she's feeling fine. She's, uh, but but the rapid test, you know, you have to, you got you got to get your test in. You got to make sure that you can fly and all that business. So there's that. Uh, yeah, she is she is feeling, uh, as far as I can tell, unaffected. Um, um, yeah, she's she's fully vaccinated. She's got her jab, so uh, fortunately, she's feeling virtually nothing from it at this point. Um, okay, now gang, hey gang, yo, hey, we got to talk about some review, and I'm kind of getting into it quick-ish right now because I'm a little nervous about what we're going to remember. Let's try to figure out what we remember from last time. Because last week, um, the last week that we read, I should say, uh, chapters 11, 12, and 13. 11, 12, 13. 11, we break a bridge. 12, Rachel makes a bad deal. 13, a titan brings me a present. Oh, that's not right in the least. Uh, last time was 14 and 15. Uh, 14 and 15, pigs fly and Chiron throws a party. So there, we've already we've already gotten off on a weird foot. Um, okay, 14 and 15, uh, pigs fly. Maybe y'all remember this one. Um, now, there's a lot of other things going on. The title refers to one of the big sort of challenges of this chapter, um, which is uh, the the hyper hyperborean sow. No, hyperboreans are the are the um, those are the giants, the ice giants. Hold on now. It's a big pig. It's not a Lestragonian giant. It's not a Hyperborean uh, ice giant. It's the something, it's the Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium cow, uh, or sow, excuse me. It's a big old pig, and it flies, and as far as anyone knows, uh, no one has ever defeated it. Um, so, 
Good luck, Percy. Of course, he he takes care of it pretty quickly, and that's kind of the, the where the title comes from. But a lot of the main conflict of this chapter uh, comes more from what's going on with the people. Um, uh, you know, talking about Luke and how Luke might be kind of fighting back. Because remember, Kronos uh, is sort of inhabiting Luke's body. We thought the control was pretty complete, but maybe not. Maybe not. Um, we... Uh, we have got, let's see, we're watching as the enemy in their camp is sort of having discussions. Kronos uh, consults Ethan Nakamura about Percy, and Ethan says, I don't think, per- Percy's never going to give up this fight. You're going to have to beat him. Um, and we see a, a little bit of insight into Luke's life. We see this moment where um, Luke has gone back to try and visit his mother after having been on the run for a little while, and um, Hermes is there. Hermes is there at the place. Um, and uh, between the two of them, uh, <laughs> um, well, oh, excuse me. Sorry, 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 sorry. This is not when Luke goes back to visit. This is um, when Luke is just a little, little baby. And Mae Castellan, his mother, is trying to sort of fill this position of the new Oracle. Now, she doesn't know that Hermes is, or um, uh, Hades has kind of cursed this position. Ooh, it is a rough one, gang, isn't it? Um, he doesn't know that, uh, nobody knows, except for Hades, that Hades has cursed the Oracle. Um, and so, big problems when Mae Castellan tries to do this, tries to take up this position, and uh, she does indeed. It sort of makes her the way that she is, which is to say, uh, you know, uh, kind of strange, sometimes has... Um, maybe visions of some sort, hard to tell precisely what's going on, but um, we think that she probably saw what would happen to Luke. Um, Let's see, the Hunters of Artemis are hanging around, they are here. Uh, Still no House of Ares, and when you're fighting a war, you probably want Ares' house to be on your side, but they're just sort of hanging out right now. Um... Let's see. They're able to put out. Uh, they're able to put down a uh, an attack once more. They're, it's looking it's looking rough for a while. But then uh, in chapter fifteen, Chiron throws a party. These are of course the party ponies. Uh, all of the centaurs from like Florida, but it seems like there are lots of chapters all over the place. Got all these centaurs running in, uh, putting up a good fight with what. Uh, uh, honking baseball bats and uh what was it paintball guns yeah um got some some bobby earls up in the mix and uh, oh excuse me bobby earl uh is the party that percy gets summoned to in sort of the latter part of this chapter so the one of the last things that we see um is that percy gets summoned by dionysus dionysus has been struck down and is kind of reforming in um uh reforming his his sort of like physical um uh manifestation but um one of his sort of abilities is that he can kind of be wherever a party is and so a little bit of him is at this this birthday party being thrown for bobby earl in a little dive bar um probably ill-advised to be throwing a party right now he says this this uh, bunch of yokels probably doesn't know that there is you know, t- you know the the Titan Typhon is ripping through the Midwest and rapidly approaching the uh, East Coast, where it's going to reach New York um, in like a day, I think. Um, but he summons Percy there, and the two of them have this quiet conversation in this Midwest dive bar, 
um, while Chiron plays, uh, I think, Pac-Man. Um, let's see. They chat for a little while. Um, and I think, I mean, the, the main, like, point of the conversation is, I think, essentially that Kronos is going to evolve. He's got an evolution coming up. Um, this form where he's sort of, like, hanging out in Luke's body is not the final one. He's going to take his sort of uh, true, um, what is it, the, uh, the true form, you know? The true form of a Titan King, much in the same way as the true form of a god. Very powerful, even just to look at. Um, and uh, so... He's then going to be able to overpower everything, everyone. Uh, and so it sounds like it is important that he be defeated before then. How? He doesn't offer much on that front, but then again, we can't really expect Dionysus to be useful. All of a sudden, he has not been particularly helpful in the past. And that's about where we're at. All right, folks. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to read. Are you ready to read? What do you think? JCA says, uh, we had to go through it uh, over Christmas break. I didn't get to see, uh, I didn't get it, which is surprising because my partner got it. I hope everyone here is doing okay and staying negative for it. Uh, indeed, yes. Uh, on the COVID front, everyone get your vaccinations. Gwendog says, I'm so psyched for the stream, even though it's totally silent since I'm at work. <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're not listening? Gwendog? Gwendog? <laughs> you're just keeping an eye on chat? Okay, fair enough. That's kind of funny. You know what? Here we go. Hold on. I see you, Gwendog. <laughs> Hello. There we go. Uh, Dolly says, yes, I've got my booster scheduled for two weeks from now. Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right, gang. Okay. Here we go. All right. Folks, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories, and this is the uh, first of three chapters for tonight, and the uh, the first of our well, the the it's it's the second to last stream of Percy Jackson. We've got one more next week. And that's going to be it for Percy Jackson. That's going to be all, and then we're going to roll on into Hunger Games. All right, folks, let's do this. Chapter sixteen. We get help from a thief. Here's my definition of not fun. Fly a Pegasus toward an out-of-control helicopter. If Guido had been any less of a fancy flyer, we would have been chopped to confetti. Uh, and actually, I didn't do my, my little sound cue and everything, uh, and so this feels like an appropriate time, um, because I, do, I did miss one bit of review. Uh, Rachel Elizabeth Dare is uh, currently coming back because she's got some sort of um, uh, vision to share with Percy. Um, she, she insists that her father brings her back to New York, uh, and they are now arriving in the midst of this battle via helicopter. So, there's that. All right, now I can go ahead and go ahead and edit this, cut that into the review earlier, and now we're here. Okay, here we go. Chapter 16. We get help from a thief. Here's my definition of not fun. Fly a Pegasus toward an out-of-control helicopter. If Guido had been any less of a fancy flyer, we would have been chopped to confetti. 
I could hear Rachel screaming from inside. For some reason, she hadn't fallen asleep, but I could see the pilot slumped over the controls, pitching back and forth as the helicopter wobbled toward the side of an office building. Ideas? I asked Annabeth. You're going to have to take Guido and get out, she said. What are you going to do? In response, she said, Yeah! And Guido went into a nosedive. Duck! Annabeth yelled. We passed close to the rotors as I felt the force of the blades ripping at my hair. We zipped along the side of the helicopter and Annabeth grabbed the door. And that's when things went wrong. Guido's wings slammed against the helicopter. He plummeted straight down with me on his back, leaving Annabeth dangling from the side of the aircraft. I was so terrified I could barely think. But as Guido spiraled, I caught a glimpse of Rachel pulling Annabeth inside the copter. Hang in there! I yelled at Guido. Hey, me wing, it's busted, he moaned. You can do it. I desperately tried to remember what Selena had used to tell us in Pegasus riding lessons. Just relax the wing. Extend it and glide. We fell like a rock, straight toward the pavement 300 feet below. At the last moment, Guido extended his wings. I saw the faces of centaurs gazing up, gaping up at us. Then we pulled out of our dive, sailed 50 feet, and tumbled onto the pavement. Pegasus over Demigod. Ow, Guido moaned. My legs, my head, my wings. Chiron galloped over with his medical pouch and began working on the Pegasus. I got to my feet. When I looked up, my heart crawled into my throat. The helicopter was only a few seconds away from slamming into the side of the building. Then, miraculously, the helicopter righted itself. It spun in a circle and hovered. Very slowly, it began to descend. It seemed to take forever, but finally the helicopter thudded to a landing in the middle of Fifth Avenue. It looked through the windshield, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Annabeth was at the controls. I ran forward as the rotors began to stop. Rachel opened the side door and dragged out the pilot. Rachel was still dressed like she was on vacation, in beach shorts, a t-shirt, and sandals. Her hair was tangled, and her face was green from the helicopter ride. Annabeth climbed out last. I stared at her in awe. I didn't know you could fly a helicopter. Neither did I, she said. My dad's crazy into aviation, plus Daedalus had put some notes on flying machines. I just took my best guess on the controls. You saved my life, Rachel said. Annabeth flexed her bad shoulder. Yeah, well, let's not make a habit of it. What are you doing here, Dare? Don't you know better than to fly into a war zone? I... Rachel glanced at me. I had to be here. I knew Percy was in trouble. Yeah, you got that right, Annabeth grumbled. Well, if you'll excuse me, I've got some injured friends I've got to tend to. Glad you could stop by, Rachel. Annabeth, I called. She stormed off. Rachel plopped down on the curb and held her head in her hands. I'm sorry, Percy. I, I didn't mean to. I... It was kind of hard to argue with her. I'm glad she was safe. I looked in the direction Annabeth had gone, but she disappeared into the crowd. I couldn't believe what she had just done. Saved Rachel's life, landed a helicopter, and walked away like it was no big deal. It's okay, I told Rachel, though my words sounded hollow. So... What's the message that you wanted to deliver? That was, that was all muddy. It's okay, I told Rachel, though my words sounded hollow. So what's the message? 
you wanted to deliver. She frowned. How did you know about that? A dream. Rachel didn't look surprised. She tugged at her beach shorts. They were covered in drawings, which wasn't unusual for her, but these symbols I recognized. Greek letters, pictures from camp beads, sketches of monsters and faces of gods. I didn't understand how Rachel could have known about some of that. She'd never been to Olympus or Camp Half-Blood. I've been seeing things, too, she muttered. I mean, not just through the mist. This is different. I've been drawing pictures, writing lines. In ancient Greek, I said. You know what they say? That's what I was hoping I could talk to you about. I was hoping... Well, if you would go on with us on vacation, I was hoping you would help me figure out what was happening to me. She looked at me pleadingly. Her face was sunburned from the beach. Her nose was peeling. I couldn't get over the shock that she was here in person. She'd forced her family to cut their vacation short, agreed to go to a horrible school, and flown a helicopter into a monster battle just to see me. In her own way, she was as brave as Annabeth. But what was happening to her with these visions really freaked me out. Maybe it was something that happened to all mortals who could see through the mist, but my mom had never talked about anything like that. And Hestia's words about Luke's mom kept coming back to me. May Castellan went too far. She tried to see too much. Rachel, I said. I wish I knew. Uh, maybe we should ask Chiron. She flinched like she'd gotten an electric shock. Percy, something is about to happen. A trick that ends in death. What, what do you mean? Whose death? I don't know. She looked around nervously. Don't you feel it? Is that the message that you wanted to tell me? No. She hesitated. I'm sorry, I'm not making sense, but that thought just came to me. The message I wrote on the beach was different. It had your name in it. Yeah, Perseus, I remembered. In ancient Greek. Rachel nodded. I don't know its meaning, but I know it's important. You have to hear it. It said, Perseus, you are not the hero. I stared at her like she had just slapped me. You came thousands of miles to tell me I'm not the hero? It's important, she insisted. It will affect what you do. Not the hero of the prophecy? I asked. Not the hero who defeats Kronos? What do you mean? I'm, I'm sorry, Percy. That's all I know. I had to tell you because... Well, Chiron cantered over, this must be Miss Dare. I wanted to yell at him to go away, but of course I couldn't. I tried to get my emotions back under control. I felt like I had another personal hurricane whirling around me. Chiron, Rachel Dare, I said. Rachel, this is my teacher, Chiron. Hello, Rachel said glumly. She didn't look at all surprised that Chiron was a centaur. You're not asleep, Miss Dare, he noticed. And yet, you are mortal. I'm mortal, she agreed, like it was a depressing thought. The pilot fell asleep as soon as we passed the river. I don't know why I didn't. I just knew I had to be here, to warn Percy. Warn Percy? Uh, she's been seeing things, I said. Writing lines and making drawings. 
Chiron raised an eyebrow. Indeed. Tell me. She told him the same things she had told me. Chiron stroked his beard. Miss Dare, perhaps we should talk. Chiron, I blurted. I had a sudden terrible image of Camp Half-Blood in the 1990s, and May Castellan's scream coming from that attic. You, you'll, you're, you're gonna help Rachel, right? I mean, you'll warn her that she's gotta be careful with this stuff. Not go too far. His tail flicked like it does when he's anxious. Yes, Percy, I will do my best to understand what is happening and advise Miss Dare, but this may take some time. Meanwhile, you should rest. We've moved your parents' car to safety. The enemy seems to be staying put for now. We've set up bunks in the Empire State Building. Get some sleep. Everybody keeps telling me to sleep, I grumbled. I don't need sleep. Chiron managed to smile. Have you looked at yourself recently, Percy? I glanced down at my clothes, which were scorched, burned, sliced, and tattered from my constant battles. I look like death, I admitted. But you think I can sleep after what just happened? You may be invulnerable in combat, Chiron chided, but that only makes your body tire faster. I remember Achilles... Whenever that lad wasn't fighting, he was sleeping. He must have taken twenty naps a day. You, Percy, need your rest. You may be our only hope. I wanted to complain that I wasn't their only hope. According to Rachel, I wasn't even the hero. But the look in Chiron's eyes made it clear he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Sure, I grumbled. Talk. I trudged toward the Empire State Building. When I glanced back, Rachel and Chiron were walking together and talking in earnest conversation like they were discussing funeral arrangements. Inside the lobby, I found an empty bunk and collapsed, sure that I would never be able to sleep. A second later, my eyes closed. In my dreams, I was back in Hades' garden. The Lord of the Dead paced up and down, holding his ears while Nico followed him, waving his arms. You have to, Nico insisted. Demeter and Persephone were sat behind them at the breakfast table. Both of the goddesses looked bored. Demeter poured shredded wheat into four huge bowls. Persephone was magically changing the flower arrangements on the table, turning the blossoms from red to yellow to polka-dotted. I don't have to do anything, Hades' eyes blazed. I'm a god. Father, Nico said, if Olympus falls, your own palace's safety doesn't matter. You'll fade too. I'm not an Olympian, he growled. My family's made that quite clear. You are, Nico said, whether you like it or not. You saw what they did to your mother, Hades said. Zeus killed her, and you'd have me help them. They deserve what they get. Persephone sighed. She walked her fingers across the table, absently turning the silverware into roses. Could you please not talk about that woman? You know what would help this boy? Demeter mused. Farming. Persephone rolled her eyes. 
Mother. Six months behind the plow. Excellent character building. Nico stepped in front of his father, forcing Hades to face him. My mother understood about family. That's why she didn't want to leave us. You can't just abandon your family because they did something horrible. You've done horrible things to them, too. Maria died, Hades reminded him. You can't just cut yourself off from the other gods. I've done very well of it for a thousand, thousand years. And has that made you feel any better? Nico demanded. Has that curse on the oracle helped you at all? Holding grudges is a fatal flaw. Bianca warned me about that, and she was right. For demigods, I'm immortal, all-powerful. I wouldn't help the gods if they begged me. If Percy Jackson himself pleaded, you're just as much of an outcast as I am, Nico yelled. Stop being angry about it and do something helpful for once. It's the only way they'll respect you. Hades' palm filled with black fire. Go ahead, Nico said. Blast me. That's just what the other gods would expect from you. Prove them right. Yes, please, Demeter complained. Shut him up. Persephone sighed. Oh, I don't know. I would rather fight in the war than eat another bowl of cereal. This is boring. Hades roared in anger. His fireball hit a silver tree right next to Nico, melting it into a pool of liquid metal. And then my dream changed. I was standing outside the United Nations, about a mile northeast of the Empire State Building. The Titan army had set up camp all around the UN complex. Flagpoles were hung with horrible trophies, helmets and war pieces from defeated campers. All along First Avenue, giants sharpened their axes. Telekines repaired armor at makeshift forges. Kronos himself paced at the top of the plaza swinging his scythe so that Dracane bodyguards stayed way back. Ethan Nakamura and Prometheus stood nearby, out of slicing range. Ethan was fidgeting with his shield straps, but Prometheus looked as calm and collected as ever in his tuxedo. I hate this place, Kronos growled. United Nations. As if mankind could ever unite. Remind me to tear down this building after we destroy Olympus. Yes, Lord. Prometheus smiled as if his master's anger amused him. Shall we tear down the stables in Central Park, too? I know how much horses can annoy you. Don't mock me, Prometheus. Those cursed centaurs will soon be sorry they interfered. I'll feed him to the hellhound, starting with that son of mine, that weakling Chiron. Prometheus shrugged. That weakling destroyed an entire legion of telecons with his arrows. Kronos swung his scythe and cut a flagpole in half. The national colors of Brazil toppled to the army, squashing a dracane. We will destroy them. Kronos roared. It's time to unleash the Dracon. Nakamura, you will do this. Yes, yes, Lord. At sunset? No, Kronos said. Immediately. The defenders of Olympus are badly wounded. 
that won't expect a quick attack. Besides, we know this Dracon they cannot beat. Ethan looked confused. My lord? Never you mind, Nakamura. Just do my bidding. I want Olympus in ruins by the time Typhon reaches New York. We will break the gods utterly. But, my lord, Ethan said, your regeneration... Kronos pointed at Ethan, and the demigod froze. Does it seem, Kronos hissed, that I need to regenerate? Ethan didn't respond. Kind of hard to do when you're immobilized in time. Kronos snapped his fingers, and Ethan collapsed. Soon, the titan growled, this form will be unnecessary. I will not rest with victory so close. Now go! Ethan scrambled away. This is dangerous, my lord, Prometheus warned. Do not be hasty. Hasty? After festering for three thousand years in the depths of Tartarus, you call me hasty? I'll slice Percy Jackson into a thousand pieces. Thrice you have fought him, Prometheus pointed out, and yet you've always said it is beneath the dignity of a titan to fight a mere mortal. I wonder if your mortal host is influencing you, weakening your judgment. Kronos turned his golden eyes on the other titan. You call me weak. No, my lord, I only meant... Are your loyalties divided? Kronos asked. Perhaps you miss your old friends, the gods. Would you like to join them? Prometheus paled. I misspoke, my lord. Your orders will be carried out. He turned to the armies and shouted, Prepare for battle! The troops began to stir. From somewhere behind the UN compound, an angry roar shook the city, the sound of a dracon waking. The noise was so horrible it woke me, and I realized I could still hear it from a mile away. Grover stood next to me, looking nervous. What was that? They're coming, I told him, and we're in trouble. The Hephaestus cabin was out of Greek fire. The Apollo cabin and the hunters were scrounging for arrows. Most of us had already ingested so much ambrosia and nectar we didn't dare take any more. We had sixteen campers, fifteen hunters, and half a dozen satyrs left in fighting shape. The rest had taken refuge on Olympus. The party ponies tried to form ranks, but they staggered and giggled, and they all smelled like root beer. The Texans were headbutting the Coloradoans. The Missouri branch was arguing with Illinois. The chances were pretty good the whole army would end up fighting each other rather than the enemy. Chiron trotted up with Rachel on his back. I felt a twinge of annoyance because Chiron rarely gave anyone a ride, and never a mortal. Your friend here has shared some useful insights, Percy, he said. Rachel blushed. Just 
some things I saw in my head. A dracon, Chiron said. A Lydian dracon, to be exact. The oldest and most dangerous kind. I stared at her. How did you know that? I'm, I'm not sure, Rachel admitted. But this dracon has a particular fate. It will be killed by a child of Ares. Annabeth crossed her arms. How could you possibly know that? I just saw it. I can't explain. Well, let's hope you're wrong, because we're a little short on children of Ares. A horrible thought occurred to me, and I cursed an ancient Greek. What? Annabeth asked. The spy, I told her. Colonel said, we know they cannot beat this Dracon. The spy has been keeping him updated. Kronos knows the Ares cabin isn't with us. He intentionally picked a monster that we can't kill. Talia scowled. If I ever catch your spy, he's going to be very sorry. Maybe we better send another messenger to camp. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Maybe we ought to send another messenger to camp. I've already done it, Chiron said. Blackjack is on his way. But if Selena wasn't able to convince Clarice, I doubt Blackjack will be able... <sighs> A roar shook the ground. It sounded like it was getting close. Rachel, I said, get inside the building. I want to stay. A shadow blotted out the sun. Across the street, the Dracon slithered down the side of a skyscraper. It roared, and a thousand windows shattered. On second thought, Rachel said in a small voice, I'll be inside. Let me explain. There are dragons, and then there are dracons. Dracons are several millennia older than dragons, and much larger. They look like giant serpents. Most don't have wings. Most don't breathe fire, though some do. All are poisonous. All are immensely strong, with scales harder than titanium. Their eyes can paralyze you. Not the turn-you-to-stone Medusa-type paralysis, but the oh-my-god-that-big-snake-is-going-to-eat-me type of paralysis, which is just as bad. We have Dracon fighting classes at camp, but there is no way to prepare yourself for a 200-foot-long serpent as thick as a school bus slithering down the side of a building. Its yellow eyes like searchlights and its mouth full of razor-sharp teeth big enough to chew elephants. It almost made me long for the flying pig. Meanwhile, the enemy army advanced down Fifth Avenue. We had done our best to push the cars out of the way to keep the mortals safe, but it just made it easier for the enemies to approach. The party ponies switched their tails nervously. Chiron galloped up and down their ranks, shouting encouragement to stand tough and think about victory and root beer, but I figured any second they would panic and run. I'll take the Dracon! My voice came out as a timid squeak, and then I yelled louder. I'll take the Dracon! Everyone else, hold the line against the army! Annabeth stood next to me. I had pulled her owl... She had pulled her owl helmet low over her face, but I could tell her eyes were red. Will you help me? I asked. That's what I do, she said miserably. I help my friends. 
I felt like a complete jerk. I wanted to pull her aside and explain that I didn't mean for Rachel to be here. It wasn't my idea, but we didn't have time. Go invisible, I said. Look for weak links in its armor while I keep it busy. Just be careful. I whistled. <whistles> Mrs. O'Leary! Heel! <sighs> my hellhound leapt over a line of centaurs and gave me a kiss that smelled suspiciously of pepperoni pizza. I drew my sword, and we charged the monster. The Dracon was three stories above us, slithering sideways along the building as it sized up our forces. Wherever it looked, centaurs froze in fear. From the north, the enemy army crashed into the party ponies and our lines broke. The Dracon lashed out, swallowing three Californian centaurs in one gulp before I could even get close. Mrs. O'Leary launched herself through the air, a deadly black shadow with teeth and claws. Normally, a pouncing hellhound is a terrifying sight, but next to the Dracon, Mrs. O'Leary looked like a child's night-night doll. Her claws raked harmlessly off the Dracon's scales. She bit the monster's throat but couldn't make a dent. Her weight, however, was enough to knock the Dracon off the side of the building. It flailed awkwardly and crashed into the sidewalk, hellhound and serpent twisting and thrashing. The Dracon tried to bite Mrs. O'Leary, but she was too close to the serpent's mouth. Poison spewed everywhere, melting centaurs into dust with quite a few monsters as well. But Mrs. O'Leary weaved around the serpent's head, scratching and biting. Yeah! I plunged Riptide deep into the monster's eye. The spotlight went dark. The Dracon hissed and reared back, but I rolled aside. Instead, it bit a swimming pool-sized chunk out of the pavement. It turned toward me with its good eye, and I focused on its teeth so I wouldn't get paralyzed. Mrs. O'Leary did her best to cause a distraction. She leapt onto the serpent's head and scratched and growled like a really angry black wig. The rest of the battle wasn't going well. The centaurs had panicked under the onslaught of giants and demons. An occasional orange camp t-shirt appeared in the sea of fighting, but quickly disappeared. Arrows screamed. Fire exploded in waves across both armies, but the action was moving across the street to the entrance of the Empire State Building. We were losing ground. Suddenly, Annabeth materialized on the dragon's back. Her invisibility cap rolled off of her head as she drove the bronze knife between a chink in the serpent's scales. The Dracon roared. It coiled around, knocking Annabeth off its back. I reached her just as she hit the ground. I dragged her out of the way as the serpent rolled, crushing a lamppost right where she had been. Thanks. I told you to be careful. Yeah, well, duck. It was her turn to save me. She tackled me as the monster's teeth snapped over my head. Mrs. O'Leary body-slammed the Dracon's face to get its attention, and we rolled out of the way. Meanwhile, our allies had retreated to the doors of the Empire State Building. The entire enemy army was surrounding them. We were out of options. No more health was coming. No more help was coming. Annabeth and I would have to retreat before we were cut off from Mount Olympus. Then I heard a rumbling in the south. It's not a sound you hear much in New York, but I recognized it immediately. Chariot wheels. A girl's voice yelled, Ares! And a dozen war chariots charged into battle. Each flew a red banner with the symbol of a wild boar's head. Each was pulled by a team of skeletal horses with manes of fire. A total of thirty fresh warriors, armors gleaming and eyes full of hate, lowered their lances as one, making a bristling wall of death. 
The children of Ares, Annabeth said in amazement. How did Rachel know? I didn't have an answer, but leading the charge was a girl in familiar red armor, her face covered by a boar's head helm. She held aloft a spear that crackled with the electricity. Clarice herself had come to the rescue. While half of her chariots charged the monster army, Clarice led the other six straight for the Dracon. The serpent reared back and managed to throw off Mrs. O'Leary. My poor pet hit the side of a building with a yelp. I ran to help her, but the zerp... I ran to help her, but the serpent had already zeroed in on the new threat. Even with only one eye, its glare was enough to paralyze two chariot drivers. They veered into a line of cars. The other four chariots kept charging. The monster bared its fangs to strike and got a mouthful of celestial bronze javelins. <laughs> It screamed, which was probably Dracon for OW! Ares! To me! Clarice screamed. Her voice sounded shriller than usual, but I guess that wasn't surprising given what she was fighting. Across the street, the arrival of six chariots gave the party ponies new hope. They rallied at the doors of the Empire State Building, and the enemy army was momentarily thrown into confusion. Meanwhile, Clarice's chariots encircled the dragon. Lances broke against the monster's skin. Skeletal horses breathed fire and whinnied. Two more chariots overturned, but the warriors simply leapt to their feet, drew swords, and went to work. They hacked at the breaks in the creature's scales. They dodged poison spray like they'd been training for this all of their lives. Which, of course, they had. No one could say the Ares campers weren't brave. Clarice was right there in front, stabbing her spear at the Dracon's face, trying to put out its other eye. But as I watched, things started to go wrong. The Dracon snapped up one Ares camper in a gulp. It knocked aside another and sprayed poison on a third who retreated in a panic, his armor melting. We have to help, Annabeth said. She was right. I'd been just standing there, frozen in amazement. Mrs. O'Leary tried to get up, but yelped again. One of her paws was bleeding. You stay back, girl, I told her. You've done enough already. Annabeth and I jumped onto the monster's back and ran toward its head, trying to draw its attention away from Clarice. Her cabin mates threw javelins, most of which broke, but some lodged in the monster's teeth. It snapped its jaws together until its mouth was a mess of green blood, yellow foamy poison, and splintered weapons. You can do it! I screamed at Clarice. A child of Ares is destined to kill it! Through her war helmet... I could only see her eyes, but I could tell something was wrong. Her blue eyes shone with fear. Clarice never looked like that, and she didn't have blue eyes. Ares! she shouted in that strangely shrill voice. She leveled her spear and charged the Dracon. No, 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 wait! But the monster looked down at her almost in contempt, and spit poison directly in her face. She screamed and fell. Grace! Annabeth jumped off the monster's back and ran to help while the other Ares campers tried to defend their fallen counselor. I drove Riptide between two of the creature's scales and managed to turn its attention on me. I got thrown, but I landed on my feet. Come on, you stupid worm! Look at me! For the next several minutes, all I saw were teeth. I retreated and dodged poison, but I couldn't hurt the thing. At the edge of my vision, I saw a flying chariot land on Fifth Avenue. 
and someone ran toward us. A girl's voice, shaken with grief, cried, No! Curse you! Why? I dared to glance over, but what I saw made no sense. Clarice was lying on the ground where she had fallen. Her armor smoked with poison. Annabeth and the Ares campers were trying to unfasten her helmet, and kneeling next to them, her face blotchy with tears, was a girl in camp clothes. It was... Clarice. My head spun. Why hadn't I noticed before? The girl in Clarice's armor was thinner, not as tall. Why would someone pretend to be Clarice? I was so stunned the Dracon almost snapped me in half. I dodged and the beast buried its head in a brick wall. Why? The real Clarice demanded, holding the other girl in her arms while the campers struggled to remove the poison-corroded helmet. Chris Rodriguez ran over from the flying chariot. He and Clarice must have ridden it here from camp, chasing the Ares campers who had mistakenly followed the other girl, thinking she was Clarice, but it still made no sense. The Dracon tugged its head from the brick wall and screamed in rage. Look out! Chris warned. Instead of turning toward me, the Dracon whirled toward the sound of Chris's voice. It buried its fangs at the group of demi oh, it bared its fangs at the group of demigods. The real Clarice looked up at the Dracon, her face filled with absolute hate. I'd seen a look that intense only once before. Her father, Ares, had worn the same expression when I'd fought him in single combat. You want death? Clarice screamed at the Dracon. Well, come on! She grabbed her spear from the fallen girl. With no armor or shield, she charged the Dracon. I tried to close the distance to help, but Clarice was faster. She leapt aside as the monster struck, pulverizing the ground in front of her. Then she jumped onto the creature's back. As it reared up, she drove her electric spear into its good eye with so much force it shattered the shaft, releasing all of the magic weapon's power. Electricity arced across the creature's head, causing its whole body to shudder. Clarice jumped free, rolling safely to the sidewalk as smoke boiled from the Dracon's mouth. The Dracon's flesh dissolved, and it collapsed into a hollow, scaly tunnel of armor. The rest of us stared at Clarice in awe. I'd never seen anyone take down such a huge monster single-handedly, but Clarice didn't seem to care. She ran back to the wounded girl who had stolen her armor. Finally, Annabeth managed to remove the girl's helmet. We all gathered around. The Ares campers, Chris, Clarice, Annabeth, and me. The battle still raged along Fifth Avenue, but for that moment nothing existed except our small circle and the fallen girl. Her features, once beautiful, were badly burned from the poison. I could tell that no amount of nectar or ambrosia would save her. Something is about to happen. Rachel's words rang in my ears. A trick that ends in death. Now I knew what she meant. And I knew who had led the Ares cabin into battle. And I looked down at the dying face of Selena Beauregard.
Selena Beauregard. Everybody, I hope you're enjoying so far. Um, this chapter has been, um, let's see, 5,000 words, and then we've got a 4,000 and a 2,000 coming up. So I'm going to take my break right now instead of later. Um, everyone, thank you very much for joining me tonight. I am going to take a quick break, but first I leave you with a chatter break question. When I come back, we're going to talk about it briefly. I'm going to do a little bit of review, a little I shoot for like a two-minute review, uh, and then we are going to uh, come back and continue to read. We've got two more chapters left tonight, uh, chapters 17 and 18. And this is, as I mentioned before, the second-to-last stream of this entire series, okay? We've got this stream, and then we've got one more next week. So if you want to be caught up for next week, this is the one to stick around and watch. So, everyone, quick chatter break. A pretty easy question for me to ask, but maybe a complicated one for y'all to answer. Why? Why did Selena Beauregard do this? Everyone, I'm going to take a five-minute break. I will see you in five. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Hi. All right, so we've got a chatter break question up in the mix. I want to say thank you very much to Plague Deity for the subscription. Welcome back. Thank you for the resub. Uh, we had some uh, yesterday as well. I thank you a ton. And of course, we had that rabe. Rabe? Rabe? We had that cool raid from uh, Top Down Tabletop. And uh, yeah, some new folks ducked in for that. So that is pretty cool as well. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to my new punk ruffians. And uh, of course, Sidecar MC, Plague Deity, rolling deep. <laughs> uh, folks, why... Did Selena Beauregard do this thing? That's the question. Sanders says, putting her armor on is probably easier than trying to convince Cabin 5, so that's probably why. Now, that's a good point. Um, you know, she, we, we know, we, we knew that Selena Beauregard was going to head off and try to uh, convince the Ares Cabin to join this fight. And, Sander, I think you're probably right on the money there. Probably easier to convince them, hey, it's me, um... Clarice, let's go join this battle. That's probably easier than, hey, Clarice, can you put down your pride and come and join this battle? That's kind of going to decide everything. You're not going to be... I, I will admit, there's like there's something odd about the Ares cabin sort of choosing not to do this because, of course, they're not going to be the Ares cabin for very long if Ares is gone. They're going to be a cabin of nothing after that. Uh, so, I mean, I... I guess, you know, you got to do what you think is right, but I don't know how they landed here with this one. Um, uh, Louis says, I'm going to go count chickens. Okay, sounds good. Roland says, I think because the monster knew the prophecy, so it would target any Ares warriors first. Okay, so you think it was kind of like a, a distraction, you know, bring bring them in and, and let, the, uh, uh, let the other demigods kind of get some work done around the city. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I know that, uh, you know, it's it's Clarice's voice-ish, um, so I, I do wonder kind of how Selena pulled this off and then how how Clarice ended up knowing about this. Um, and after all, now that the Ares campers are here, are they going to stick around? If they do, are they going to be able to defeat this Dracon? Because it says it's destined to be, it is fated to be destroyed by a member of the sort of, by, by a child of Ares, but it doesn't say now, it doesn't say which one, it doesn't say 
that it's you know could could be like yeah in 20 years <laughs> so who knows uh Gwendog says uh, oh excuse me dahlia says uh, that's exactly my thought. It makes no sense that the Ares cabin wouldn't readily jump into the main fight. There's a big war going on. It's kind of their whole thing. Um, and yes, I get it. They were slighted. They were they were very uh, annoyed. Um, but at the same time, you gotta. I mean, if you're mad at the system, um, but something is gonna come crush the whole system, and then and then your sort of the the pride that you had in that system will mean nothing. Then I think you gotta jump in. I think you got to jump in because it's it's not that they, it's not that the Ares cabin is angry with the system overall. They're just angry that their sort of like reputation within it has not been elevated appropriately. Sorry, sorry, it did get defeated. Um, I will admit to you all, I'm a little I'm a little looped out about this because I actually prepped for this chapter. Um, for these three chapters, um, before, uh, before Christmas and everything. So my prep for this was a long time ago. And so, yes, I do have some of my milestones a little bit confused. They did indeed destroy the Dracon. That's my bad. That's my bad. Um, it's been three weeks, I think, <laughs> since I prepped for this one. Um, okay. All right. Dolly says, um, we got that one covered. Okay, Gwendog says, I just got all confused because I looked down at the stream expecting to see the stream I'm at work producing. I was like, why is it all dark? Hold on. <laughs> okay, uh, yes. Y'all, thank you for the clarification. Sander, roll it, indeed. All right, now, that's where we're at. Uh, let me give y'all a quick review. We've had a 5,000-word chapter, and then we're this chapter is going to be 4,000. The next one is 2,000. So kind of a, a 5,000 to 6,000 split uh, pre- and post-break. So now we are going into our post-break. We've got uh, chapter 17. A little bit of review for chapter 16. Um... Uh, Rachel Elizabeth Dare shows up, she's here, Annabeth saves her from dying in a fiery, uh, helicopter crash, and, um, she sort of reveals, like, I've got information for you. The big thing I need to tell you, Percy, is you are not the hero. Now, we don't know what this means, even, even Rachel doesn't know precisely what this means, but, um, this is the sitch. Um, she is not able to explain any further, because she doesn't know any further. Um, uh, Percy is, I think, rightly pretty distracted by this. This is a very distracting thing to sh have show up. You know what I mean? Um, the, uh, the helicopter comes down just fine with Annabeth's help. Uh, Annabeth sort of, like, goes off in a huff. And, um, Chiron brings Rachel away so that they can talk about, you know, prophecy and what this all means. Um, uh leaving Percy to get some rest. Of course, he's like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be able to fall asleep. <sighs> because this is what he does. And he has dreams, because this is what he does. And uh, he is seeing Hades' garden. Uh, Nico is trying to convince Hades to join this battle, but, uh, you know, Hades is, is still like, look, I've never really been, I've never been accepted by them. Why would I help them now? What happens up there doesn't matter to me. And, and Nico is essentially saying, um... Well, actually, it doesn't matter how safe your your fortress is from attack if the if Olympus kind of falls and the gods are forgotten. It doesn't matter how safe your walls are from attack. You're going to be forgotten all the same, and you will fade. You won't be killed, but you will fade. Um, 
so that's what's going on down there. There seemed to be a sort of an impasse. Uh, we don't see a resolution to that argument. Kronos and Prometheus have a bit of an argument about, uh, you know, it seems like Kronos might not be fully in charge or sort of fully on, on, uh, fully in control of his current body, his current form. Um, let's see. Uh, and then, of course, the Dracon shows up. This Dracon is, uh, Dracons, in general, are bigger, scarier, badder than dragons. Um, and uh, this one, in particular, it sounds like its fate is to be killed not by anyone except for a child of Ares. And as we know, there are no children of Ares here. Um, that's when, you know, they, they, they do their best to stave it off for a while, and that's when the children of Ares do indeed appear, led by Clarice. Or so we think. Clarice suddenly dies, and then Clarice shows up. Yes, you heard that correctly. Um, and uh, Clarice, the new Clarice, the one who has just arrived at the scene, um, is furious, isn't sure what's going on, kills the Dracon, and then we find out this dying camper is the, the first one, the one we thought was Clarice at first. Not Clarice at all. This is, in fact, Selena Beauregard, who was sent to try and convince Clarice to come join the fight. And that is where we're at. So, folks, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Moonlit uh, Moonlight says, I would love to see Luke as the hero uh, if he were to repent of all of this. Uh, yeah, Sandra says, could Nico be the hero? Maybe Luke could be the hero? Some excellent questions, right? We've got these heroes who are, you know, uh, Annabeth, um, uh, Clarice even. Uh, we, we know that there are these, these heroes who are really strongly tied to this story. I don't know if... Um, I wonder, do, do, do we think that, that Talia still counts as one? Because, of course, she has joined the Hunters of Artemis. So she has sort of, like, reclassified herself. She has changed her fate, which we know because, you know, she was she, she took herself out of the running um, a few years ago explicitly to change her fate. Um, and it seems like, from what we know, that worked. So is Talia still even on the board? Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, obviously, Percy, Annabeth. Um, but uh, yeah, Nico and uh, Luke would both be very interesting options. Indeed. Let's read. Chapter 17. Chapter 17. I sit on the hot seat. What were you thinking? Clarice cradled Selena's head in her lap. Selena tried to swallow, but her lips were dry and cracked. Wouldn't... Listen? Gabin would... Only follow you? So you stole my armor? Clarice said in disbelief. You waited till Chris and I went out and patrol. You stole my armor and pretended to be me. She glared at her siblings. And none of you noticed! The Ares campers developed a sudden interest in their combat boots. Don't blame them, Selena said. They wanted to believe that I was you. You stupid Aphrodite girl, Clarice sobbed. You charged a dracon. Why? My fault, Selena said, a tear streaking the side of her face. The Tycon. Charlie's death. 
Is Camp endangered? Stop it! It's not true! Selena opened her hand. In her palm was a silver bracelet with a scythe charm. The mark of Kronos. A cold fist closed around my heart. You were the spy. Selena tried to nod. Before? Before I liked Charlie. Luke was so nice to me. He was so charming. Handsome. Later I wanted to stop helping him, but he threatened to tell. He, he promised. He promised I was saving lives. Fewer people would get hurt. He told me that he wouldn't hurt Charlie. He lied to me. I met Annabeth's eyes. Her face was chalky. She looked like somebody had just yanked the world out from under her feet. Behind us, the battle raged. Clarice scowled at her cabin mates. Go! Help the centaurs! Protect the doors! Go! They scrambled off to join the fight. Selena took a heavy, painful breath. Forgive me. You're not dying, Clarice insisted. Charlie? Selena's eyes were a million miles away. See, Charlie? She didn't speak again. Clarice held her and wept. Chris put a hand on her shoulder. Finally, Annabeth closed Selena's eyes. We have to fight. Annabeth's voice was brittle. She gave her life to help us. We have to honor her. Clarice sniffled and wiped her nose. She was a hero, understand? A hero. I nodded. Come on, Clarice. She picked up a sword from one of her fallen siblings. Kronos is going to pay. I'd like to say that I drove the enemy away from the Empire State Building. The truth was that Clarice did all the work. Even without her armor or spear, she was a demon. She rode her chariot straight into the Titan's army and crushed everything in her path. She was so inspiring, even the panicked centaur started to rally. The hunters scrounged arrows from the fallen and launched volley after volley into the enemy. The Ares cabin slashed and hacked, which was their favorite thing. The monsters retreated to 35th Street. Clarice drove to the Dracon's carcass and looped a grappling hook through its eye sockets. She lashed her horses and took off, dragging the Dracon behind the chariot like a New Year's e like a Chinese New Year dragon. 
She charged after the enemy, yelling insults and daring them to cross her. As she rode, I realized she was literally glowing. A red aura of fire flickered around her. It's a blessing of Ares, Talia said. I've never seen it in person before. For the moment, Clarice was as invincible as I was. The enemy threw spears and arrows, but nothing hit her. I am Clarice, Dracon Slayer, she yelled. I will kill you all. Where's Kronos? Where's Kronos? Bring him out. Is he a coward? Clarice, I yelled. Stop it. Withdraw. What's the matter, Titan Lord? She yelled. Bring it on. There was no answer from the enemy. Slowly, they began to fall back behind the Dracane shield wall, while Clarice drove in circles around Fifth Avenue, daring anyone to cross her path. The 200-foot-long Dracon carcass made a hollow, scraping noise against the pavement, like a thousand knives. Meanwhile, we tended our wounded, bringing them inside the lobby. Long after the enemy had retreated from sight, Clarice kept riding up and down the avenue with her horrible trophy, demanding that Kronos meet her in battle. Chris said, I'll watch her. She'll get tired eventually. I'll make sure that she comes inside. And what about the camp? I asked. Is anybody left there? Chris shook his head. Only Argus and the nature spirits. Peleus the dragon was still guarding the tree. It won't last long, I said. But I'm glad you came. Chris nodded sadly. I'm sorry that it took so long. I tried to reason with Clarice. I said that there's no point in defending the camp if all of you guys die. All of our friends are here. I'm sorry that it took Selena. My hunters will help you stand guard. Annabeth, Percy, you go to Olympus. I've got a feeling they're going to need you up there to set up a final defense. The doorman had disappeared from the lobby. His book was face down on the desk and his chair was empty. The rest of the lobby, however, was jam-packed with wounded campers, hunters, and satyrs. Connor and Travis Stoll met us by the elevators. Is it true? Connor asked. About Selena? I nodded. She died a hero. Travis shifted uncomfortably. Um, uh, yeah, I also heard... That's it, I insisted. End of story. Right, Travis mumbled. Listen, we figure the Titan's army's going to have trouble getting up the elevator. They'll have to go up a few at a time. And the Giants won't be able to fit at all. That's our biggest advantage, I said. Any way to disable the elevator? It's magic, Travis said. Usually you need a key card, but the doorman vanished. That means the defences are crumbling. Anyone can walk into the elevator now and head straight up. And we've got to keep them away from the doors, I said. We'll bottle them up in the lobby. We'll need reinforcements, Travis said. They'll just keep coming. Eventually, they will overwhelm us. 
There are no reinforcements, Connor complained. I looked outside at Mrs. O'Leary, who was breathing against the glass doors and smearing them with hellhound drool. Yeah, maybe that's not true, I said. I went outside and put a hand on Mrs. O'Leary's muzzle. Chiron had bandaged her paw, but she was still limping. Her fur was matted with mud, leaves, pizza slices, and dried monster blood. Hey, girl. I tried to sound upbeat. I know you're tired, but I got, I got one more big favor to ask of you. I leaned next to her and whispered in her ear. After Mrs. O'Leary's shadow traveled away, I rejoined Annabeth in the lobby. On the way to the elevator, we spotted Grover kneeling over a fat, wounded satyr. Oh, Linnaeus, I said. The old satyr looked terrible. His lips were blue, there was a broken spear in his belly, and his furry goat legs were twisted at a painful angle. He tried to focus on us, but I don't think he saw us. Grover! He murmured. I'm here. I'm here, Linnaeus. Grover was blinking back tears, despite all the horrible things Linnaeus had said about him. Did... Hmm. Did we win? Um... Yes, Grover lied. Thanks to you, Linnaeus. We drove the enemy away. I told you. The old satyr mumbled. A true leader. True. He closed his eyes for the last time. Grover gulped. He put his hand on Linnaeus's forehead and spoke an ancient blessing. The old satyr's body melted until all that was left of him was a tiny sapling in a fresh pile of soil. A laurel, Grover said in awe. Oh, that lucky old goat. He gathered the sapling in his hands. I... I should plant him in Olympus, in the gardens. Yeah, we're going that way, I said. Come on. Easy listening music played as the elevator rose. I thought about the first time I'd visited Mount Olympus back when I was twelve. Annabeth and Grover hadn't been with me then. I was glad they were with me now. I had a feeling it might be our last adventure together. Percy, Annabeth said quietly, you were right about Luke. It was the first time she had spoken since Selena Beauregard's death. She kept her eyes fixed on the elevator floors as they blinked into magical numbers. Four hundred. Four fifty. Five hundred. Grover and I exchanged glances. Annabeth, I said. I'm sorry. You tried to tell me. Her voice was shaky. Luke is no good. I didn't believe you until I... until I heard how he had used Selena. Now I know. 
I hope you're happy. That doesn't make me happy. She put her head against the elevator wall and didn't look at me. Grover cradled the laurel sapling in his hands. Well, sure good to be together again. Arguing, almost dying, abject terror. Oh, look, it's our floor. The doors dinged, and we stepped onto the aerial walkway. Depressing is not a word that usually describes Mount Olympus, but it looked that way now. No fires lit the braziers, the windows were dark, the streets were deserted, and the doors were barred. The only movement was in the parks, which had been set up as field hospitals. Will Salas and the other Apollo campers scrambled around, caring for the wounded. Naiads and dryads tried to help, using nature magic songs to heal burns and poison. As Grover planted the laurel sapling, Annabeth and I went over to try and cheer the wounded. I passed a satyr with a broken leg, a demigod who was bandaged from head to toe, and a body covered in the golden burial shroud of Apollo's cabin. I didn't know who was underneath. I didn't want to find out. My heart felt like lead, but we tried to think of positive things to say. You're going to be up and fighting titans in no time, I told one camper. You look great, Annabeth told another camper. Linnaeus turned into a shrub, Grover told a groaning satyr. I found Dionysus' son, Pollux, propped up against a tree. He had a broken arm, but otherwise he was okay. I can still fight with the other hand, he said, gritting his teeth. No, I said. No, you've done enough. I want you to stay here and help with the wounded. But... Promise me you're going to stay safe, I said. Okay? Personal favor. He frowned uncertainly. It wasn't like we were good friends or anything, but I wasn't going to tell him it was a request from his dad. That would just embarrass him. Finally, he promised, and when he sat back down, I could tell he was kind of relieved. I'm going to take a quick break for sound. No, I'm not. He frowned uncertainly. It wasn't like we were good friends or anything, but I wasn't going to tell him it was a request from his dad. That would just embarrass him. Finally, he promised, and when he sat back down, I could tell he was kind of relieved. Annabeth, Grover, and I kept walking toward the palace. That's where Cronus would head. As soon as he made it up the elevator, and I had no doubt that he would one way or another, he would destroy the throne room the center of the god's power. The bronze doors creaked open. Our footsteps echoed on the marble floor. The constellations twinkled coldly in the ceiling of the great hall. The hearth was down to a dull red glow. Hestia, in the form of a little girl in brown robes, hunched at its edge, shivering. The Ophiotaurus swam sadly in its sphere of water. He let out a half-hearted moo when he saw me. In the firelight, the thrones cast evil-looking shadows like grasping hands. Standing at the foot of Zeus's throne, looking up at the stars, was Rachel Elizabeth Dare. 
She was holding a Greek ceramic vase. Hey, Rachel, I said. Uh, what are you doing with that? She focused on me as if she were coming out of a dream. I found it. It's Pandora's jar, isn't it? Her eyes were brighter than usual, and I had a bad flashback of moldy sandwiches and burned cookies. Hey, please put down the jaw, I said. I can see hope inside it. Rachel ran her fingers over the ceramic designs. So fragile. Rachel! My voice seemed to bring her back to reality. She held out the jar and I took it. The clay felt as cold as ice. Crover, Annabeth mumbled. Let's scout around the place. Maybe we can find some extra Greek fire or Hephaestus traps. But, Annabeth elbowed him. Right, he yelped. I love traps. She dragged him out of the throne room. Over by the fire, Hestia was huddled in her robes, rocking back and forth. Come on. I told Rachel. I want you to meet someone. We sat next to the goddess. Lady Hestia, I said. Hello, Percy Jackson, the goddess murmured. Getting colder. Hard to keep the fire going. I know, I said. The titans are near. Hestia focused on Rachel. Hello, my dear. You've come to our hearth at last. Rachel blinked. You've been expecting me? Hestia held out her hands, and the coals glowed. I saw images in the fire. My mother, Paul, and I eating Thanksgiving dinner at the Thanksgiving table. My mother, Paul, and I eating Thanksgiving table. What? What? I, why, why is Thanksgiving table on my mind? <laughs> I saw images in the fire. My mother, Paul, and I eating Thanksgiving dinner at the kitchen table. My friends and me around the campfire at Camp Half-Blood, singing songs and roasting marshmallows. Rachel and me driving along the beach in Paul's Prius. I didn't know if Rachel saw the same images, but the tension went out of her shoulders. The warmth of the fire seemed to spread across her. To claim your place at the hearth, Hestia told her, you must let go of your distractions. It's the only way you will survive. Rachel nodded. I... I understand. Okay, wait, what, what is she talking about? Rachel took a shaky breath. Percy, when I came here, I thought I was coming for you. But I wasn't. You and me? She shook her head. Wait, now I'm a distraction? Is this because I'm not the hero or whatever? I'm not sure I can put it into words, she said. I was drawn to you because... because you opened the door to all of this. She gestured at the throne room. I needed to understand my true sight. 
but you and me, that wasn't part of it. Our fates aren't intertwined. I think you've always known that, deep down. I stared at her. Maybe I wasn't the brightest guy in the world when it came to girls, but I was pretty sure Rachel had just dumped me, which was lame considering we'd never even been together. So, what? Thanks for bringing me to Olympus? See ya? Is that what you're saying? Rachel stared at the fire. Percy Jackson, Hestia said. Rachel has told you all that she can. Her moment is coming, but your decision approaches even more rapidly. Are you prepared? I wanted to complain that no, I wasn't even close to prepared. I looked at Pandora's jar, and for the first time I had an urge to open it. Hope seemed pretty useless to me right now. So many of my friends were dead. Rachel was cutting me off. Annabeth was angry with me. My parents were asleep down the street somewhere with a monster army surrounding the building. Olympus was on the verge of falling. and I had seen so many cruel things the gods had done. Zeus destroying Maria D'Angelo. Hades cursing the last oracle. Hermes turning his back on Luke even when he knew his son would become evil. Surrender, Prometheus' voice whispered in my ear. Otherwise your home will be destroyed. Your precious camp will burn. Then I looked at Hestia. Her red eyes glowed warmly. I remembered the images I'd seen in her hearth. Friends and family. Everyone I cared about. I remembered something Chris Rodriguez had said. There's no point in defending camp if you guys all die. All of our friends are here. And Nico, standing up to his father, Hades. If Olympus falls... Your own palace's safety doesn't matter. I heard footsteps. Annabeth and Grover came back into the throne room and stopped when they saw us. I probably had a pretty strange look on my face. Percy? Annabeth didn't sound angry anymore, just concerned. Should we, um, leave again? Suddenly, I felt like someone had injected me with steel. I knew what I had to do. I looked at Rachel. You're not going to do anything stupid, are you? I mean, you talked to Chiron, right? She managed a faint smile. You're worried about me doing something stupid. Yeah, but I mean, well, you'll be okay. I don't know, she admitted. That kind of depends on whether you save the world, hero. I picked up Pandora's jar. The spirit of hope fluttered inside, trying to warm the cold container. Estia, I said. I give this to you as an offering. The goddess tilted her head. I am the least of the gods. Why would you trust me with this? You're the last Olympian. 
and the most important. And why is that, Percy Jackson? Because hope survives best at the hearth. Guard it for me, and I won't be tempted to give it up again. The goddess smiled. She took the jar in her hands, and it began to glow. The hearth fire burned a little brighter. Well done, Percy Jackson, she said. May the gods bless you. Yeah, we're about to find out. I looked at Annabeth and Grover. Come on, guys. And I marched toward my father's throne. Christy Abundis, thank you for following. Welcome to the Punk Ruffians. It's good to have you here. The seat of Poseidon stood just off to the right of Zeus's, but it wasn't nearly as grand. The molded black leather seat was attached to a swivel pedestal with a couple of iron rings on the side for fastening a fishing pole, or a trident. Basically, it looked like a chair on a deep sea boat, like you would sit in if you wanted to hunt shark or merlin or sea monsters. Gods in their natural state are about twenty feet tall, so I could just reach the edge of the seat if I stretched my arms. Help me up, I told Annabeth and Grover. Are you crazy? Yeah, probably. Percy, Grover said, the gods really don't appreciate sitting on their thrones. I mean, like, turn you into a pile of ashes don't appreciate it. I gotta get his attention. It's the only way. They exchanged uneasy looks. Well, this'll get his attention. They linked their arms to make a step, and then boosted me onto the throne. I felt like a baby with my feet so high off the ground. I looked around at the other gloomy, empty thrones, and I could imagine what it would be like sitting on the Olympian Council. So much power, but so much arguing, even eleven, always eleven other gods trying to get their way. It would be easy to get paranoid, to look out only for my own interest, especially if I were Poseidon. Sitting on his throne, I felt like I had the entire sea at my command. Vast cubic miles of ocean churning with power and mystery. Why should Poseidon listen to anyone? Why shouldn't he be the greatest of the twelve? Then I shook my head. Concentrate. The throne rumbled. A wave of gale-force anger slammed into my mind. Who dares... The voice stopped abruptly. The anger retreated, which was a good thing, because just those two words had almost blasted me to shreds. Percy? My father's voice was angry, but more controlled. What exactly are you doing on my throne? I'm sorry, father. I needed to get your attention. This was a very dangerous thing for you to do. Even for you, if if I hadn't looked before I blasted, you'd now be a puddle of seawater. I'm sorry. Listen, things are rough up here. I told him what was happening. Then I told him my plan. His voice was silent for a long time. Percy, would you ask? It's impossible. My, my palace. Dad, Kronos sent an army against you on purpose. 
He wants to divide you from the other gods because he knows that you could tip the scales. Be that as it may, he attacks my home. I'm at your home, I said. Olympus. The floor shook. A wave of anger washed over my mind. I thought I'd gone too far, but then the trembling eased. In the background of my mental link, I heard underwater explosions, the sounds of battle cries. Cyclopes bellowing, mermen shouting. Is Tyson okay? I asked. The question seemed to take my the question seemed to take my dad by surprise. He's fine. He's doing much better than I expected. Although peanut butter is a strange battle cry. You let him fight? Stop changing the subject. You realize what you're asking me to do? My palace will be destroyed. And Olympus might be saved. You got any idea how long I've worked on remodeling this place? The game room alone took 600 years. Dad. Very well. All right. It shall be as you say, but my son, you better pray this works. I am praying. I'm talking to you, right? Yeah, good point. Amphitrite, incoming. The sound of a large explosion shattered our connection. I slipped down from the throne. Grover studied me nervously. Are you okay? You, you, you turned pale and you started smoking. I did not. And then I looked at my arms. Steam was curling off of my shirt sleeves. The hair on my arms was singed. If you had sat there any longer, you would have been spontaneously combusted. I hope the conversation was worth it. Said the Ophiotaurus in his fear of water. Yeah, we'll find out soon, I said. Just then the doors of the throne room swung open. Talia marched in. Her bow was snapped in half and her quiver was empty. You've got to get down there, she told us. The enemy is advancing and Kronos is leading them. Okay. Okay. Not great news, gang. The enemy is advancing and Kronos is leading them. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I can certainly feel like this book is heating up to a grand conclusion for the series. Um, let's talk a little bit of review. Let's talk a quick chatter break question. Um, and y'all can go ahead and, uh, yeah, you can, you can jump in with your answers and, and discuss it amongst yourselves. All right. So, Chatterbreak question. Who's the hero? Who's the hero? Rachel Elizabeth Dare showed up with something that she felt was terribly important. To tell Percy, you are not the hero. Now, I think, I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to say to you all, but in my head, I'm fairly confident that I know what the hero versus not the hero is referring to. I think I know the, the specific incident, the specific prophecy, I'll say that much, that that is referring to. But who is the hero? If it's not Percy, 
Got some good ideas in chat already. I would be interested to see yours. A bit of review. In our first chapter of the evening, uh, the Dracon attacks. We find out who... What, spoilers coming up, by the way. If you're going to rewatch this video, if you want to catch it from the beginning, stop here, duck out. We'll see you later on. Here we go. Spoiler time. Um, our first chapter of the night, uh, chapter 16, we get help from a thief. Um, this is where we find out, uh, A, who the spy was and whether or not Ares is going to be joining this battle. Turns out they are... But they are by trickery. Selena Beauregard tricks the Ares cabin into showing up to defeat this Dracon, which is a big, nasty deal and can only be defeated because of fate uh, by, uh, it would seem, uh, a member of the Ares cabin. So Selena Beauregard convinces the Ares cabin to come and join the fight. Turns out she didn't convince them at all. She just dressed up as Clarice and uh, sort of led the charge into battle, getting the the uh, Ares cabin to come and participate. Now, why would she do this? What would possess her? Because she dies in this effort. She knows she is not a, a fighter like Clarice is, and yet she takes the role of Clarice and charges straight on at the Dracon. Why would she do this? Well, guilt. She, it turns out, has been the spy. The whole time she was the spy. So, uh, she is feeling guilty. She decides to do this and dies as a result. Um, that is a lot of what happens in that first chapter. That's kind of the the, the main stuff. And then, um, of course, Percy has some visions about um, uh, uh, Prometheus kind of questioning Kronos' control over Luke. Um, we've got a scene of... Uh, Nico trying his absolute best to stand up to his father and convince him to join this battle uh, for Olympus. That's most of what we got. Um, in our second chapter that we read today, chapter 17, I sit on the hot seat. Um, they have to head up and uh, their last line of defense is going to be Mount Olympus itself. They're going to try and bottleneck the enemy forces at the elevator room, right? Sort of use the, the um, uh, Empire State Building as a bottleneck um, because they can't all fit in the elevator at once. That seems to be roughly the idea. Uh, Percy heads up there, and we learn a couple of very strange things. First of all, um, Rachel Elizabeth Dare has an odd interaction with Hestia, and Hestia sort of tells her, hey, if you're going to sort of claim the fate that you have waiting out there for you, you need to let go of your other attachments. And... Rachel Elizabeth Dare essentially breaks up with Percy, even though they weren't... They weren't precisely together before. We can definitely get the sense that she and Percy, they're not going to be together at any point. She is ending it right here. Um, now, what does this mean? We're not entirely sure, but Percy is hinting at it being something related to um, um, May Castellan, something related to um, sort of her ability to see, not just through the mist, but see beyond the mist. And then... Um, Percy goes ahead and does two very interesting things. First, he hands off um, Pandora's vase, Pandora's jar. We all know this as Pandora's box containing hope, containing the spirit of hope. He gives that to Hestia, the goddess of the hearth, sort of uh, who, who calls herself the least of the gods. But Percy says, hope survives best at home. And if I give it to you, Maybe I won't be so tempted to release hope, to let go of hope. An interesting move. Finally, 
he needs to get his dad's attention. So he hops up on his dad's throne, which is a very dangerous thing to do, hopping up onto a throne of the gods, uh, and manages to just barely avoid being destroyed, but does convince his father to leave the ocean, to come and join the fight up on Olympus, because in spite of the fact that Poseidon, his power, right? The place where uh, the place where he is powerful is the ocean. The place where he has influence, the place where he's important is in the ocean. It's not actually his home. His home is on Olympus. So, that is where we're at. Um, hopefully, Poseidon will be here in good time. And y'all, this is the last chapter that we're going to be reading for tonight. Chapter 18. It is a short one. My parents go commando. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, Dahlia says, very poetic. I think referring to leaving the jar with Hestia, having hope, you know, talking about hope surviving best at home. I do like that. I do like that little turn quite a bit. Here we go, folks. Chapter 18. My parents go commando. By the time we got to the street, it was too late. Campers and hunters lay wounded on the ground. Clarice must have lost a fight with a Hyperborean giant, because she and her chariot were frozen in a block of ice. The centaurs were nowhere to be seen. Either they had panicked and run off, or they had been disintegrated. The Titan army ringed the building, standing maybe twenty feet from the doors. Cronus's vanguard was in the lead. Ethan Nakamura, the Dracane Queen in her green armor, and two Hyperboreans. I didn't see Prometheus. A slimy weasel was probably hiding back at the headquarters. But Cronus himself stood right in front with his scythe in hand. The only thing standing in his way was... Chiron? Annabeth said, her voice trembling. If Chiron heard us, he didn't answer. He had an arrow knocked, aiming straight at Cronus's face. As soon as Cronus saw me, his gold eyes flared. Every muscle in my body froze. Then the Titan Lord turned his attention back to Chiron. Step aside, little son. Hearing Luke call Chiron his son was weird enough, but Chrono attempted... But... Judas... But Kronos put contempt in his voice, like son was the worst word he could think of. I'm afraid not. Chiron's tone was steely calm, the way that he gets when he's really angry. I tried to move, but my feet felt like concrete. Annabeth, Grover, and Talia were straining too, like they were just as stuck. Chiron, Annabeth said, look out! The Dracane Queen became impatient and charged. Chiron's arrow flew straight between her eyes and she vaporized on the spot. Her empty arrow, her empty armor clattered to the asphalt. Chiron reached for another arrow, but his quiver was empty. He dropped the bow and drew his sword. I knew he hated fighting with his sword. It was never his favorite weapon. Kronos chuckled. He took a step and 
Chiron's horse half skittered nervously. His tail flicked back and forth. You're a teacher, Kronos sneered. Not a hero. Luke was a hero, Chiron said. He was a good one, until you corrupted him. Fool! Kronos' voice shook the city. You filled his head with empty promises. You said the gods cared about me. Me, Chiron noticed. You said me. Kronos looked confused, and in that moment Chiron struck. It was a good maneuver, a feint followed by a strike to the face. I couldn't have done better myself, but Kronos was quick. He had all of Luke's fighting skill, which was a lot. He, he, knocked aside Krona, he knocked aside Chiron's blade and yelled, Back! A blinding white light exploded between the Titan and the Centaur. Chiron flew back against the side of the building with such force that the wall crumpled and collapsed on top of him. No! Annabeth wailed. The freezing spell broke. We ran toward our teacher, but there was no sign of him. Talia and I pulled helplessly at the bricks while a ripple of ugly laughter ran through the Titan's army. You? Annabeth turned on Luke. To think that I... that I thought... She drew her knife. Annabeth, don't. I tried to take her arm, but she shook me off. She attacked Kronos, and his smug smile faded. Perhaps some part of Luke remembered that he used to like this girl. He used to take care of her when she was little. She plunged her knife between the straps of his armor, right to the collarbone. The blade should have sunk into his chest. Instead, it bounced off. Annabeth doubled over, clutching her arm to her stomach. The jolt might have been enough to dislocate her back shoulder. The jolt might have been enough to dislocate her bad shoulder. I yanked her back as Kronos swung his scythe, slicing the air where we had been. She fought me and screamed, I hate you! I wasn't sure who she was talking to. Me, or Luke, or Kronos... Tears streaked the dust on her face. I have to fight him, I told her. It's my fight too, Percy. Kronos laughed. So much spirit. I can tell why Luke wanted to spare you. Unfortunately, that won't be possible. He raised his scythe. I got ready to defend, but before Kronos could strike, a dog's howl pierced the air somewhere behind the Titan's army. It was too much to hope, but I called, Mrs. O'Leary! The enemy forces stirred uneasily. Then, the strangest thing happened. They began to part, clearing a path through the street like something behind them was forcing them to. Soon there was a free aisle down the center of Fifth Avenue. Standing at the end of the block was my giant dog and a small figure in black armor. Nico, I called. <laughs> Mrs. O'Leary bounded toward me, ignoring the growling monsters on either side. Nico strode forward. The enemy army fell back before him like he radiated death, which, of course, he did. Through the face of his skull-shaped helmet, he smiled. I got your message. Too late to join the party? Son of Hades. <laughs> Son of Hades. Kronos spit on the ground. Do you love death so much? You wish to experience it? Your death, Nico said. 
would be great for me. You... I'm immortal, you fool. I have escaped, Tartarus. You have no business here and no chance to live. Kronos drew his sword. Three feet of wicked, sharp, Stygian iron, black as a nightmare. I don't agree. The ground rumbled. Cracks appeared in the road. The sidewalks, the sides of the buildings. Skeletal hands grasped the air as the dead clawed their way into the world of the living. There were thousands of them, and as they emerged, the titans' monsters got jumpy and started to back up. Hold your ground! Hold your ground! The dead are no match for us! The sky turned dark and cold. Shadows thickened. A harsh warhorn sounded as the dead soldiers formed up ranks with their guns and swords and spears. An enormous chariot roared down Fifth Avenue. It came to a stop next to Nico. The horses were living shadows fashioned from darkness. The chariot was inlaid with obsidian and gold, decorated with scenes of painful death. Holding the reins was Hades himself, Lord of the Dead, with Demeter and Persephone riding behind him. Hades wore black armor and a cloak the color of fresh blood. Hold. Hades wore black armor and a cloak the color of fresh blood. On top of his pale head was the helm of darkness, a crown that radiated pure terror. It changed shape as I watched, from a dragon's head to a circle of black flames to a wreath of human bones. But that wasn't the scary part. The helm reached into my mind and ignited my worst nightmares, my most secret fears. I wanted to crawl into a hole and hide. I could tell the enemy felt the same way. Only Kronos's power and authority kept his ranks from fleeing. Hades looked and smiled coldly. Hello, father. You're looking young. Hades, I hope you and the ladies have come to pledge your allegiance. I'm afraid not, Hades sighed. My son here convinced me that perhaps I should prioritize my list of enemies. He glanced at me with distaste. As much as I dislike certain upstart demigods, it would not do for Olympus to fall. I would miss bickering with my siblings. And if there's one thing we agree on, it's that you are a terrible father. Oh, muttered Demeter. No appreciation of agriculture? Mother, Persephone complained. Hades drew his sword, a double-edged Stygian blade etched with silver. Now fight me, for today the House of Hades will be called the Saviors of Olympus. I don't have time for this, Kronos snarled. He struck the ground with his scythe, a crack spread in both directions, encircling the Empire State Building. A wall of force shimmered along the fissure line, separating Kronos' vanguard, my friends, and me from the bulk of the two armies. What's he doing? I muttered. He's sealing us in, Talia said. He's collapsing the magic barriers around Manhattan, cutting off just the building... And us. Sure enough, outside the barrier, cars revved to life. Pedestrians woke up and stared uncomprehendingly at the monsters and zombies all around them. 
No telling what they saw through the mist, but I'm sure it was plenty scary. Car doors open. At the end of the block, Paul Blofus and my mom got out of their Prius. Hey, no, I said. Don't. My mother could see through the mist. I could tell from her expression she understood how serious things were. I hoped she would have the sense to run. But she locked eyes with me, said something to Paul, and they ran straight toward us. I couldn't call out. The last thing I wanted was to bring her to Cronus's attention. Fortunately, Hades caused a distraction. He charged at the wall of force, but his chariot crashed against it and overturned. He got to his feet, cursing, and blasted the wall with black energy. The barrier held. Attack! He roared. The armies of the dead clashed with the titan's monsters. Fifth Avenue exploded into absolute chaos. Mortals screamed and ran for cover. Demeter waved her hand and an entire column of giants turned into a wheat field. Persephone changed the Dracane's spears into sunflowers. Nico slashed and hacked his way through the enemy, trying to protect the pedestrians as best he could. My parents ran toward me, dodging monsters and zombies, but there was nothing I could do to help them. Nakamura, attend me. Giants, deal with them. He pointed at my friends and me and then he ducked into the lobby. For a second, I was stunned. I had been expecting a fight, but Kronos completely ignored me like I wasn't worth the trouble. That made me mad. The first Hyperborean giant smashed at me with his club. I rolled between his legs and stabbed Riptide into his backside. He shattered into a pile of ice shards. The second giant breathed frost on Annabeth, who was barely able to stand, but Grover pulled her out of the way while Talia went to work. She sprinted up the giant's back like a gazelle, sliced her hunting knife across the monstrous wild blue neck, and created the world's largest headless ice sculpture. I glanced outside the magic barrier. Nico was fighting his way toward my mom and Paul, but they weren't fighting but they weren't waiting for help. Paul grabbed a sword from a fallen hero and did a pretty fine job keeping a Dracane busy. He stabbed her in the gut, and she disintegrated. Paul? I said in amazement. He turned toward me and grinned. I hope that was a monster I just killed. I was a Shakespearean actor in college. I picked up a little swordplay. Okay, I liked him even better for that. But then a lace dragonian giant charged toward my mom. She was rummaging around in an abandoned police car, maybe looking for the emergency radio, and her back was turned. Mom! I yelled. She whirled when the monster was just on top of her. I thought the thing in her hands was an umbrella until she cranked the pump back and the shotgun blast blew the giant twenty feet backward, straight onto Nico's sword. Nice one, Paul said. When did you learn how to fire a shotgun? I demanded. My mom blew the hair out of her face. About two seconds ago, Percy. We'll be fine. You go. Yep, Nico agreed. We'll handle the army. You have to get Kronos. Come on, seaweed brain. Come on, seaweed brain, Annabeth said. I nodded. Then I looked at the rubble pile on the side of the building. My heart twisted. I'd forgotten about Chiron. How could I do that? Mrs. O'Leary, I said. Please, Chiron's under there. If you can dig him out, try. Find him. Help him. I'm not sure how she understood or how much, but she bounded to the pile and started to dig. Annabeth, Talia, Grover, and I raced for the elevators.
And folks, that is it for the evening. <laughs> okay, folks, how you feeling? How are you feeling so far? We, of course, as we've identified over the past couple of series, it's sort of like we've realized how tough it is to have good, solid discussions on the second to last of anything. Second to last chapter, second to last, uh, you know, um, uh, chapter of the series, of the book, um, second to last stream. We are setting up for the end. And that what that means is we have kind of the most questions that we really tend to have coming into anything or coming off of anything. So... Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Folks, next week, chapters 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. Sanders says, this was an epic battle, and it's not even over. Rollet says, Paul and Sally are so cool. They are certainly, like, their cool factor is definitely going up, right? They're certainly increasing. Um, it seems like we've got a, we've got some, some, we're, we're kind of split. The question is, is, it, it sounds like we're split between Nico and Luke. Which one is going to be our hero? We're not sure yet. Um, <laughs> Moonlet says, no, I need more. And Jade says, dang, cliffest of hangers. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, gang. Uh, but... I, I, when I was dividing this up at the start of the book, as I am trying to do better about now, um... I sort of realized, like, either I could have one super long stream somewhere in the middle or one super long stream here at the end. So, super long stream at the end next week, folks. Are you excited? Because you should be. You should get excited. Uh, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed it today. Uh, Jade giving out some community subs. Thank you so much. Uh, Renzo and, uh, let's see, uh, VCA. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jade, for that. I appreciate you. Um, Y'all. Y'all, thank you for joining me here today. Uh, a good old time, I think. We had a good little stream today. Uh, first one back in a little while. Thank you all very much for joining me, and thank you for being patient. Um, as I mentioned to you all over on Discord, I do have a psychiatric appointment for the end of this month, and I think that's going to be good. I think that's going to be pretty good. Um, at a time where I had to have uh, regular psychiatric appointments, it's been a while, but now it looks like I'm uh, I'm back in a spot where I need them. Uh, I've told y'all like streaming gives me tons of energy, so right now I'm feeling up, I'm feeling hyped. Uh, but you know when it gets when it gets quiet, I've never had it uh, be seasonal except for in the past. But these past two years, it seems like you know winters are a little harder on me, so I'm gonna try and do a good job taking care of myself. Um, thank you for all the energy that y'all give me, and uh, thank you for the encouragement. And as I said the patience, because I know Sidecar Stories is kind of up in the air right now. Uh, you know, part of that is me, but I will say, sir, I'm, I'm not going to take credit for all of that challenge. Certainly a big part of it has been, you know, the stuff happening in July and the stuff happening this month. So it is definitely good to be back on the, uh, back on the old horse. Hey, gang, thank you so much for the hype train. I am seeing Jade. I see Sander in there. Um, let's see what else. Dolly with a gift sub. Thank you a ton. And to anyone who is stepping in off of the, uh, off of the homepage of Twitch, just searching around for what the heck is going on. Welcome. This is Sidecar Stories. We are just wrapping up a stream right now. Um, but what we typically do here is stories. That's right. I dedicate this whole channel to stories. Um, I do a lot of reading here. We are literally next week is the last chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the whole series. We read Harry Potter 
before that, um, we have also got, uh, we're taking a little hiatus on Tuesdays, but we read some vintage literature, some classic lit over on Tuesdays, and then Wednesdays, tabletop RPG stuff. Lots of world building right now, but lots to do, always lots to do. Um, if you want to find out more about that, including the links over to Spotify, where you can find Flying Sidecar, just search Flying Sidecar or follow the links, uh, and they'll take you to the back episodes of these things. Um, and uh, yeah, you can use the links command, as I'm about to do, to bring up the uh, the link tree. That'll bring you to all the spots you want to go, especially the Discord, because really, that's the spot you want to go. I stream Tuesdays through Thursdays. Right now, a little break. Wednesdays through Thursdays, just Wednesdays and Thursdays for the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to come check out some tabletop RPG fun, Wednesdays are your day, noon Pacific time. And if you want to find out what we get up to right here, right now, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. This is Flying Sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, so, Pia, thank you a ton. Uh, Plague, uh, let's see. Uh, B, let's see. F of B minus of A. <laughs> F of B minus of A. I see. Interesting. I don't know. I, I'm trying to sort out the puzzle of what that name could mean, but welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Punk Ruffians. Um, let's see, what else? Plague Deity, Sophia, uh, Jade, and Sander. Thank you for the bits. I appreciate y'all. Hey, folks. Uh, ooh, Dahlia. Dahlia with some gift subs. Ooh, ooh, ooh look at y'all. Look at y'all. Um, uh, and of course, I so much appreciate all of the uh, support here. And you know what? You know what we haven't done in a minute? We haven't done a, a patron parade. So let me give let me give a shout out to all the patrons. Uh, folks, y'all have been absolutely fantastic. Um, I would not be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to dedicate so much time to this without y'all. Um, and so thank you so much to everyone uh, for the subscriptions, for the bits. Uh, Eskar Lovett with a thousand bits. Hey, yo. Hey, that ain't bad. <laughs> Thanks a ton. Um, let me say let me say a very big thank you, of course, to the patrons as well. Um we have got up at the very top level our thrilling trilogies, Dahlia, Death Metal Dahlia, and Solderfish, uh, our shocking sequels, Jade Dragon, our novel nouveaus, Sander, Marinver, Luis, Good Courage, uh, Deb, uh, and Intikana, our chapter champions, uh, E, Orly Rose, uh, Ali D, Vicky, Gems, I think I, I might have gems in here twice. Do I have gems in here twice? Maybe not. Um, uh, Daniel, Sparkle Love Good, Ashes in the Sun, Gwendog, and Van Saves Lives, our pristine pages, Holly Rose, Neens, Amy, Dan, Lil Lucy, Jack B, and Mr. Halfbit. Y'all, thank you a bunch. Thank you a bunch. I appreciate you so very much. If you want to find out more about the Patreon as well, including the fun stuff that we get up to over there, uh, because we do get up to some fun stuff, uh, go ahead and you can follow that same link tree that was in there before. I'll pop it in one more time. Um, pop in that same link tree and that'll take you to the Patreon as well. Uh, if you're wondering what that's all about. We've got literally 50 hours of... Uh, of new stuff from uh, during the book fair times and if you jump in at any level right now you can get all of the streams from book fair uh, and then there are different levels with some different fun stuff as well so thank you very much Ooh, got a hype train we've got a bit of a hype train we're at 126% of level 5 not bad gang not bad at all um, I tell you what if you hit 200% we'll do some side karaoke tonight 200% 200% is the, is the number. We had uh, one night where y'all just blew it out of the park and uh, hit 200% of level five. And so I said to myself, well, 
in that case, I'll sing you a song. So side karaoke, it's a, it's a fun little goof where we, uh, I, I will sing you a song, whatever, whatever song you want as whichever character you want. I will admit, I, I will tell you right now, I've only got time for one song tonight, but if you hit 200%, I'll do that one. If you hit 400%, I will add another one to our tally, which I believe is, would be at three at that point. Three or four. I'm trying to remember precisely what, which one. Because I remember we got, we got so close to clearing the whole backlog last time. Um, let's see. Thank you so much to Dahlia for those gift subs. Uh, Gwen Dog for the bits. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Eskar Lovett with the bits. And Jade with more gift subs. Hey! Hey! <laughs> it was, yeah, Dahlia, I think it was, I think it was, uh, was it, I think it was, Rhinestone Sammy, the karaoke kid. <laughs> Rhinestone Sammy, the karaoke kid. That's me. That 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 could be me. You can conjure. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a witchcraft situation. You can go ahead and conjure Rhinestone Sammy, the karaoke kid. <laughs> That's that'll be up to y'all. Um, but regardless, everybody, I do so very much appreciate everyone who has shown uh, support in all of your various wonderful ways. Delightful. Uh, Jade says, got me a third job, lol. Yeah. Hey, Jade, <laughs> I hope uh, I hope they're treating you well. Um, I Certainly. I hope everyone's jobs are treating them well. If not, get them. If not, get them. Get organized. Do, do your thing, folks. Um, uh, Dolly says, 39% left to go. Yes, indeed. You're at 161% right now with one minute left. <laughs> Sander wants me to improvise a song about this epic battle. <laughs> oh boy, Jade says it's a great job. Well, in that case, I hope you have. Uh, I hope you you just get more and more hours there until you don't need to work at your other two anymore. Or is this your third job in sequence, not in parallel? Uh, Jade for the gift subs. Thank you a ton. Escar Lovett is like, pip, 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 oh, and never mind. Escar Lovett is dropping big ones. <laughs> Escar Lovett with a thousand bits. Thank you a ton. Hey, that looks to me, that looks to me like 200%. Ooh, and Dolly with five more gift subs. You're at 294%. If you can do another 100% in the next 10 seconds, <laughs> you can add another one. You're going to have to really lay into it though, gang. Oh boy, two, 294%. Oh, <laughs> you did do it, didn't you? Oh, man. Hey, uh, and uh, if y'all want to know who to thank, the answer is Death Metal Dahlia. Now, of course, lots of help all around, but uh, Dahlia was the one who added the extra one on. Like I said, I've only got time for one song tonight because i got to do some errands before Cass, <laughs> before Cass is back uh, tomorrow. But, hey, y'all did it. Y'all did that sucker. Y'all ran it all the way up past 400. Okay, hey, gang. Thank you so very much. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this emote at you, but remember, the big deal is uh, what song am I gonna be singing? There's my question. I need five suggestions for songs. Ready, set, go! Right now, go, 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 go! Five suggestions for songs. Ready, set, go! What songs? I'll include the five that I know kind of the best. <laughs> Swan song says Dahlia just blows out of the water. Yeah, Dahlia ran up in there at the very end and and went, I got you with uh, ten extra gift subs. I can finally sing the the sling the love around again. Bohemian Rhapsody. Do we already do Bohemian Rhapsody? I'm gonna add it to the list here, but I want to say we already did that one, didn't we? 
Let's see. Okay. Um. Uh, I don't think so, Sedalia. Are you sure? I could have sworn we did that one at some point. Hold on, let me check my files and folders. <laughs> um, let me see. I could have sworn I did that one. I could be totally wrong, though. I've been totally wrong about things in the past. It does happen occasionally, I guess. I guess it sometimes does happen. Um, let's see. Book fair? No, not going to be in there. Okay, well, I don't know where to find him, so we'll add it to the list. Um, uh, let me see. Come Sail Away? What does that one sound like? Let me, let me see if that one's one that I recognize. By, let's see, by Sticks. I don't know much about Sticks. This one may not be... I don't know this song at all. <laughs> Ooh, Big Mama. I can definitely handle some Michael Buble. I know lots of Michael Buble. Uh, just haven't met you yet. All right, let me pop that on the list. Fantastique. Uh, Gwendog says, I think it was a Hogwarts bow rap, wasn't it, or something? I want to say so. I believe it was... Um, uh, I want to say S Snape might have been in the mix, but I don't remember precisely who was involved. Uh, don't Stop Believing. I'm, I'm very confident we've done Don't Stop Believing. Uh, 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 Grover did that one. Grover saying, don't stop believing. I guess I, I do need to make the addendum. Not one that we've done already. If it's one that we've had on a vote already, that's fine. But if it's one that we actually sang already, I'm cutting that one. I'm not totally sure about Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm, I'm super positive about don't stop believing. We definitely did that one. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep Bohemian Rhapsody cause, just because I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, Grover sang don't stop believing. That was one of our earlier ones. That one was a lot of fun. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> uh, Tanisha says, I had to sing Michael Bublé in the same drama class as that Life of Pi monologue. Really? Really? Interesting. Um, Dahlia, I swear we did, though, is the thing. I swear we did. It might have been in one of our, like, big, uh, big, like, Ooh, I want, it might have been during the book fair side karaoke stream, right there at the beginning. Because I, I remember thinking, like, like how can I change this? Like, um, I, I want to say I want to say Snape was involved because I think I changed Mama to Lily a few times. Like, um, Lily, ooh, didn't mean to make you cry. Something along those lines. I swear we did it. <laughs> um. Oh, it was also just haven't met you yet. Just haven't met you yet. Uh, I will. I will admit my voice is a little. It's a little shaky. It's a little rocky right now. Um, but hey, that is quite all right. All right, we need more song suggestions, gang. More song suggestions. I did Michael Jackson too, Dahlia. We're gonna drive each other crazy because I'm sure we did this one, and you're sure that we didn't. How are we gonna find out? I'm gonna have to go sort through the archives, sort through the old ones. <laughs> uh, Louise says you did Sam I can hear it in my head 
I know. In my head, I can hear it too. <laughs> Dolly is so sure we didn't do it. We're going to have to sort this out at some point. Um, all right, some Frank Sinatra. That's life. Fantastic. Uh, any Christmas tunes y'all would want to hear? I know some Christmas tunes, okay? They're not my favorite to listen to, but I don't mind singing some. Frankly, a lot of the, the songs that my voice is really good for are like, you know, the big, the, it's, I call it my, I've got a big dumb musical theater voice, um, which I mean to say is like uh, very, it doesn't have the polish of opera, certainly, um, nor do I have the skill of opera, but it's like, it's not quite polished like that, but it's also not like a, like, ooh, fun, sexy baritone. It's, it's perfect for... King Arthur in Spamalot. Ooh, bad romance. Okay. I'll add bad romance onto the list. Let's see if I can remember that one. That was from the old days. Um, uh, Peachy Sweet says, I just joined in. What are these songs for? Well, Peachy Sweet, um, this is a thank you. Uh, we hit 200% of level five of Hype Train. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, this is a thank you. I'm letting people just throw in whatever songs they want to throw in. Um, and I'm going to sing it as whatever character y'all vote for once we do the vote for this. Um, meanwhile, let me check out, let me check out some beans. Okay. I got to see, I got to see what kind of beans we got to do. Let's see. Um, and let me go ahead and uh, put in an edit point for the top of this, uh, um, for the top of this uh, hype train, I suppose. Everyone, thank you so very much for joining me here tonight. I love y'all, and I hope you will join me for the last episode of Percy Jackson and the Olympians next week. I'll see you then. Okay, cool. Uh, I just had to get that quick edit point in there. Let's go on over to Bad Beans. And frankly, this is the chapter I should have had it on. This is the, the page I should have had it on before when y'all were absolutely annihilating it, but that is quite all right. Um, let me see. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Okay, i got to search for um, little pings over on Discord. Remember, folks, if you are going to, uh, if you're going to give the show a shout out, you can get a bean for that, whether it's uh, in person and that somebody shows up for that, or if um, uh, you're doing so on Twitter and Instagram are the ones that I really keep track of. But uh, Esfay, I see you. Esfay, I see you. I see you. Um, so we've got one for Stephanie. I will go ahead and add that one to the list. Just a second. Fantastic. Um, and then I don't see any other pings. <laughs> uh, okay. So let me check Instagram, but first let me get this vote in. Um, okay. Uh, and Dahlia, thank you very, very much for, uh, for compiling those for me. That's important. Uh, let's see. Get a poll going here. Going Dog says, woo woo, that's me. All right, what song are we singing? Is it going to be? So I went ahead and didn't copy that. Okay, let me see. Copy this, paste it here. Oop, no, can't do that. All right, cut this, X this, uh, paste it, what, here? Okay. All right, here we go. Um, song... Uh, think of me is that, that's assume, I assume think of me in days gone by to the life we used to live. Zippity doodah. Um, uh, the Michael Bublé one was, uh, just haven't met you yet. Haven't met yet. Bublé. 
Okay, don't have enough characters. Just haven't met you yet. It's from uh, Michael Bublé. Uh, Sinatra was That's Life. Sinatra. Uh, and then Bad Romance. By Lady Gaga. Okay, this is going to be a quick poll. One minute. You've got 60 seconds. Go, 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 go. It's in there. Go. Poll is, is up. Vote now. If it doesn't work. Um, uh, if it doesn't work, uh, refresh page. Okay, there we go. <sighs> okay, so let me take a look over on Instagram as well. And once we find out what song I'm going to be singing, then we're going to find out who's going to be singing that sucker. Okay, now which cat is ripping up the carpet right now? Hey, Blue Boy, don't do that, bud. Don't rip up the carpet, Blue Boy. Don't do that. My boy. My boy. Hi, buddy. <laughs> Hi. He's just standing at the door being spooky at me. All right, let me see. Let me see. Uh, we got one for Dahlia. Indeed. We got one for Dahlia. And let me see if we got any other ones. This might be kind of a bean, uh, bean light week. That is quite all right. I think it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Oh boy, oh boy. Oops. Oops, I accidentally hit a mod button. That's my bad. I'm so sorry. Who was it? Who was it? Uh, oh, I did it twice. Uh, Luis and Gwen. Okay, so I am very sorry. Uh, how do we... <laughs> Why untimeout, Gwen, dog? <laughs> um, let's see. Mods. How do I do this? I fu but I fully timed out, Gwen, dog. <laughs> Oh man, I I I bop I zapped Luis, but I fully timed out Gwendog. How do I un it's for six hundred seconds. That's like ten minutes. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that at all. <laughs> Dahlia says lol, I'll figure it out. Dahlia, thank you so much. Um oh boy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> oh man. Uh uh Gwendog, sorry about that. Um uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, so, now, uh, how did we land? Oh, great. Now I didn't have a chance to see who won. Uh, Sander did, though. Sander's got this. Sander says, that's life. Okay. That's life. Who's gonna sing this sucker? I need five suggestions for characters who's gonna sing a Frank Sinatra song. Ready, set, go. Go, 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 go. Um, yeah, Dahlia, I'll, I'll, I'll cover it over in Discord later. <laughs> Thank you, though. Uh, muy apreciado. <laughs> Thanks, gang. Thanks for fixing that. Um, okay. Because I think I think a lot of people don't know what I'm trying to do with that, so I'll, I'll take care of it over on Discord. There we go. All right. Um, Jade's... Okay, here we go. Jade says Blackjack. Uh, Louis says Ginny. Uh, okay, we've got one for me. We've got one vote for me. Me. Uh, Blackjack. Uh, Ginny, Chiron, and Percy. I think that's five. 
I can't remember if I can do six. Uh, McG. I'll add McG if I can do six. It's been a while. <laughs> Gwen Duck says, I know what it was. Okay, in that case, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. And sorry about the timeout. That was not intentional. Okay, let me see. Uh, yeah, let me just go ahead and get this poll entered in here. Zoop, zoop, zoop. Hold on. That's right. I only get five options. Okay, so the options are moi or blackjack or Ginny or Chiron or Percy. Here we go. Uh, who sings? There we go. Um, I'm gonna make this one a two minute one because I'm gonna do some beans in the meantime. Beans in the meantime. Okay. Here we go. Here we go, folks. Uh, that is your vote. Go ahead. Vote is in. Get your vote going. I'm gonna go do beans really quick. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do beans in secret. No, I'll be right back. Let me grab the bean stuff. Okay, Gwenda. I believe you get first vote on this one. Actually, no, Gwen or Dahlia, because you're both here. Um, Gwen, Dahlia. Do you have requests? I guess Mama Cat isn't here, so we're not really doing the request ones. It's just a <laughs> random bean from the bean bucket. Actually, this isn't the this is the bean container, but this is the bean bucket right here. This massive nightmare. Actually, that one's not the nightmare. The nightmare is the the little packages with the real terrible ones in it. There we go. There we go. Okay, cool. So, dealer's choice. Dealer's choice of bean. <laughs> mm. Yes, this is an, this is a uh, a Napa Valley bean, uh, aged thirteen years. Um, you'll find that it has some very nice top notes. Uh, we're getting back into <laughs> what is it with me and beans? What is it about jelly beans that makes me do ASMR? I think it's just the sound that it makes, like in the right. That's just a nice sort of ASMR sort of sound. I think that must be it because I get I get really weirdly ASM. You know how some people get like, <laughs> you know how some people get really huggy when they're drunk or things like that? I get really ASMR-y when I got beans. There it is. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is going to be secret bean. I can't see it. I'm holding it. I'm holding my hand in between me and the bean. <laughs> me and the bean starring Jim Carrey. Here we go. Um, Okay. It's a good one. It's actually a really tasty one. Mm, I know what that means. I know what that means. It's blackberry. I know if I really like the bean, that's a blackberry bean right there. That's a point on the board for me. Is it really? I have no idea, but I'm going to put the point on the board. <laughs> Dude. That's a point on the board for me. Because I've decided so. Okay. Now, it's it's Le Hoc. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a nice vintage. This is from Le Hoc Vineyards. Oh man. Okay. Taste is good on this one. It's very sticky. It's very sticky. Um, Jade says that's right. One out of one. <laughs> Big Mama says, "Does it taste like banana? Was it like was it a yellow bean?" <laughs> It doesn't matter because the bean queen isn't here. That's right. I'm leading a rebellion against her. Oh, man. 
No, Dahlia. No, Dahlia. That's a point for me. Bing. Why? Because I want the point. And I am sort of like left in... Oh, what is it? Regency? No, what is it called? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the dowager. I know that's not right, but I'm going to call myself the dowager because it's funny. So as the dowager, I'm making a... Oh, no, I saw that one. I saw that it was orange. I looked over at my webcam. Can't do that. Hold up. Hold up. Here we go. All right. Now, here it is. That's the new one. I can't look over at the webcam over there. All right. Here we go, folks. Let's see. Um, so uh, Dahlia... <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, chat, you're making me giggle tonight a little bit. Uh, Dahlia and Gwen, hey, thank you all very, very much. It's durian. Durian's stinky, right? I don't think I've ever had durian. That's the that's the one that smells terrible but tastes good, if I remember correctly. That's what people say. I've never had it, never been in the same room as it. I have no point of reference myself. Mmm, this one's also pretty good. I must have got another blackberry one. Huh. <laughs> huh. Two blackberries in a row. They're both pretty tasty. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what this one is. This one is escaping me. Question is, do they do durian jelly beans? Also, what is a jelly bean? Hey, gang, what's a jelly bean? What do they make these things out of? I don't want to know that. Nobody tell me what that... I, I have just requested a truth that I don't want. Please... I'm going to go ahead and set that one back. <laughs> Big mama. <laughs> Jade says, wow, you're on a roll tonight. Two out of two. And Big mama says, wow, two yellow blackberries. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, hey, gang. Not bad. Not bad in the least. Oh, boy. You goons. Dahlia, Gwen Dog, thank you very much for sharing about the show. I love y'all. Oh, man. <laughs> you goofs. Okay. Um, now, here's a question. Who won that vote? Because I wasn't looking when I should have been. Um, let's see. Yeah, did we see who won the vote? I got very distracted and I didn't see who won. Y'all know me. Y'all know how I get. Y'all know who I am. Y'all know what I do. Uh-oh. Dahlia wasn't watching it either. Uh-oh. Uh, Sander says Chiron won. Now, Sander, I have a question, Sander. Is that true or just because it was your idea? Oh, it wasn't. Never mind. It was just somebody else whose name is also read. It was from Tanisha. Okay. All right. Thank you very, very much. Sander, thank you for keeping track. <laughs> I appreciate you. Okay. Let's see. Chiron doing that's life. I think this is going to be nice. It's gonna be nice. Okay, let me grab this. Let me grab this video. Okay, that's life, Sinatra. Um, where do we want? What 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 video? Maybe the remastered two thousand and eight version. Is that the right one to do? Yeah, this seems right. Okay. Okay. Now this is uh. <laughs> this is Chiron singing That's Life from Frank Sinatra. My question is, why? Right? We got to do our little bit of lore here. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, hello? Where am I? 
Oh, maybe I didn't fix this one yet. I didn't. There we go. I didn't get my new webcam added onto this one. Um, where's my, where am I at here? Am I just hidden? Hello? Okay, let me go ahead and get rid of this one. Can y'all even hear me right now? Mm. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, just got to get my webcam added in here. Oh man, they changed all my stuff around. Oh boy. There we go. We're good. We're good. All is well. All right. Here we go. Let me get up on my mic here. Yeah, the invisible singer. It's me. Shh, don't tell anyone. Cutting off some of my noggin there. What the heck? All right. So. <laughs> Hear you? What? Hmm? What? Huh? All right. So. I think Chiron. Um. <laughs> I think the, what I imagine is that, like, this is from uh, all, all the students are, like, hanging around camp. And, uh, you know, like, in the days before, there was a lot of, like, strong bond between everyone. I think this is probably the... I think this, this is probably, like, Chiron trying to do a very awkward ice, icebreaker. I don't think this is who Chiron is. I don't think Chiron, like, secretly loves this song and just, like, sings it all the time when he's not busy doing other stuff. Louis says, love the lore. Favorite part. Okay, cool. I'm glad you do. So Kyron is like looking around all these students. Like maybe they tried to like hold an open mic or something and nobody got up there except for like a couple of very, very sad emos, like emo kids from the, let's see, what cabin would it probably be? Um, we know it's not the Hades cabin, even though that seems appropriate, but uh, what is it, the Aphrodite cabin? No, what is the, who's the goddess of music? Um, uh, all of their liars and such. Like some of Selena Beauregard's... <laughs> <laughs> amigos um and uh yeah just couldn't get any steam onto this thing so Chiron decided uh it's my job as camp counselor uh well no let's be honest it's it's the literal god of parties job um uh Dionysus but Dionysus isn't gonna step up here so uh Chiron takes it upon himself and at some point during dinner <laughs> Oh, Gwen, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. He listens to this kind of music. He's just not a singer. Um, so he's just sort of like trying to think of what to do. And he's like, you know what? I know this song well enough. I'll give it a shot. And he finishes dinner quickly. And he just walks out in the middle of the pavilion during dinner uh, while students are eating and just like pops on a record <laughs> as a backing track and just sings this thing. Speaking of a backing track. And meanwhile, everyone is looking at him like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This makes me so terribly uncomfortable. Um, uh, let me highlight this real quick. I'm about to bop in the link for the backing track. If this is the sort of thing that you enjoy, if you like this kind of thing, um, uh, if you want to have the music on in the background, you can go ahead and find another device and hit play on that at the same time. That way you can hear my voice with the music. But I know because you are all... Because frankly, you're all reprehensible people. You like to just hear me stumbling through it. I can hear the music on my end. That is vital to me. Because if I couldn't, I would be so deeply uncomfortable. I would be so deeply uncomfortable with this whole thing if I couldn't hear the music. And the weird thing is that in the edit, I have to listen to it without the music. And it's terrible. And I don't care for it. It's just terrible and awful. <laughs> I've had like two two of these things out of, I mean, I've done like, 
I'm de- definitely in the three, or not three digits. I'm um, definitely in two digits, but I'm probably in the like 20 to 30 song range, somewhere in there. I've done probably 20 to 30 of these at this point uh, between all of our like full streams of and post stream stuff. And uh, I've, I think there have been two that I've been like, yeah, that sounded okay. That sounded okay. It doesn't go straight down the garbage disposal. <laughs> Gwen, don't say it. Gwen, don't say it. Gwen. Don't say that. You got you to gotta say it sounds a lot better without it. That's what you have to say. You have to say it's more soulful. <laughs> you did have to throw in the clip show. Yeah, that one. Because even when I'm editing, I don't have to like sit and listen to it. I can skip through it. I'm just getting the... I'm going to see how long the intro is so I know when to come in on this song. Okay, cool. All right. All right. I'm ready. So if you want to listen to the backing track, which you should, because then it's not just me with my with my voice all, all solo on my own self. <sighs> Got to do some, some sirens, even though my top end is not healthy right now. Uh, Kyron, what, what, um, what on earth are you doing? Do you think this is, uh, sort of, um, appropriate? Quiet. You tell me to be quiet. I'm a god. Just, just be quiet, please. Start the music not on one, not three, two, one, but on go. Three, two, one, go. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, go. <clears throat> if I could have all, uh, your attention, your attention, um, that's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, and you're shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm right back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks. Stomping on a dream. But I don't let it, I don't let it get me down. Cause this fine old world keeps spinning round. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out and I know one thing. Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race that's life. I tell you, I can't deny it. I've thought of quitting, baby. But my heart just ain't gonna buy it. And if I didn't think it was worth a single try, 
I'd jump right up on a griffin and then I'd fly. I've been a puppet, a popper, a pirate, a poet. Oh, he's getting into it now. A pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out. And I know one thing. Each time I find myself flat there on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race that's life. Oh, and I can't deny it. Many times I've thought of cutting out, but my heart just won't buy it. But if there's nothing shaken by July, I'm gonna roll myself into a big ball and die. Please don't forget to make your um, sacrifices into the brazier. Um, uh, uh, Jello for dessert. Everyone have a lovely night. Ah, uh, yeah, there really was something. Um, did we all see the same thing just happen? Hey, come on back here. Hey, 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 come on. Bring your pretty mane back this way. Oh, come on now. <laughs> He's run off in terror. I don't think I've been fully awake since I started working here at this camp, and that got me woke up. There we go. <laughs> oh, these are fun. These are fun. I enjoy these quite a bit. Uh, and yes, indeed, there is another song in Backlog now, largely thanks to Dahlia. Not entirely, of course, as Carlovit throwing huge, throwing just stacks and stacks of bits in there. Um, and then Gift Subs, um, Jade, and uh, let's see, Gwendog with some more bits as well. So Pia, um, Sander, of course. Hey, folks, thank you so much for that this is my thank you to you is singing as a horseman uh and i hope you all have a fantastic night i will see you all once again next week and uh, i'm gonna try to be more active in discord as well uh, i know it's been a quiet couple of weeks part of it was just like i knew people would be with with family friends etc but you know what i want to be available i don't want to just disappear on you i want to be available hey gang i hope you're doing well Dahlia. Dahlia says, I'm so glad to enjoy this before I start my project. And I sounded like I was, I sounded like the character of Dahlia was crying. It's just because I had a hiccup that was like trying to find its way up. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, folks, I love y'all. I hope you have a great one. Dahlia, I'm probably going to check in a couple of times tonight just to make sure you have not electrocuted yourself. Um, uh, I know I trust you to be careful. I did some work on... Uh, our car as well involving the battery recently and I know it's just like an anxious process so of course you don't need to give me like updates on the project itself on the progress of it just we'll, we'll find out make sure we don't need to call anybody to, <laughs> to to come to come get you um unless you've already got somebody else doing check-ins in which case tally ho okay hey everybody 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 living now okay <laughs>
that's it. That's it. When I start quoting uh, 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 System of a Down, that means it's time for me to be done. That means it's time for me to be done. Everybody, 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 love it. Goodbye, everyone.